Hello. Melinda Leo. Hello. Can you hear me? I I can hear you. Okay, Okay. good. This nature. We need she. I don't know. Oh, crap. I know I forgot someone. Rina? I still got one more that's due to be dropped off. I'm on my own. And where is Leo this evening? No, he's waiting to golf. What the hell? Was that Rina? I think it's what? Rina, you're in the dryer. I'm fantastic. How are you guys? We're doing well. God, I'm already giggling, and I'm. She, you sound like you, you've been into the Kool Aid. How are we doing? Who are you talking to? She. P.S. I know you're in the Kool Aid. Don't even need oh, to comment. Shut up! Oh, you didn't tell me to bring Kool Aid. You didn't tell me to bring Kool Aid. <laughs> I just got a lousy Diet Coke here. P.S. Usually I drinks have... all of the Kool Aid for everybody. <laughs> no, I don't have so any Kool Aid. I have. I have... <laughs> <laughs> This will be fantastic. (laughs) We hold on to the wonder of that world through many pens and we'll never let go of all the ones we've made our friends and they'll say it's only a podcast but we know it's much more than that a community all of its own where we even have our own sorting hat where the hosts are all our friends and their stories told by Jen will always laugh before the end part of it we please where the story never ends. Mm-hmm. I was talking to Jen earlier today, and she has yet another <coughs> Jen story. I'm like, you know what, Jen? I've been thinking about this. We're going to release the podcast, and we're going to keep it online forever. And like, it'll be like hundreds of years from now, Captain Kirk will beam down to this planet, and he will discover Popo. And it will be a chronicle of your health over the course of three years when you listen to <laughs> My phone is ringing. There's no one here to answer it. Hold on. Should I have the dog do it? Huh? What? Oh, really? You sound fantastic. How are you doing? I told you when I answered the phone, I had my fan on my computer turned all the way up and I wasn't even in the room. Like, I just heard it ringing, and so I jumped in and I clicked the button so that it would answer it, and then I went back to finish what I was doing. Rene and, and I, I have this brother and sister thing going on. You hear how she talks to me? I told you when you called, I had the fan on. Hey, Ryan, guess who's on Bones right now? Who's on Bones? Josh Malina is on Bones. Uh, Will Bailey. Yes. Go me. Yes. Um, West Wing. I don't know. He plays, um, Will. He plays the guy who replaces... You watch West Wing, don't you, Peter? He's drunk. What are you talking about? Oh, yeah, about? I'm talking about... Oh, my God. How, He's... Although, um, she... Yes, you were really drunk last week? I was really drunk. 
you seen Sports Night? Um, you know, I keep getting told that I need to invest some time in that. Watch, but sports... I have not yet watched it. Watch Sports <laughs> Night. It's like people watch Studio 60 to get back the West Wing magic, even though it doesn't really have any. Sports <laughs> Night. Studio 60 was awesome. What are you talking about? Well, I love the... Studio 60. <laughs> it, well, it wasn't really. No, there was. It's like the West Wing could do it because it's the White House and it's important. For Studio 60, they had the same aura of we are gods, but they were a late night sitcom. Television show. Television show. Yeah. But yeah. Sports Night is an awesome show and it has virtually the entire cast of the West Wing on at one point or another. Josh Molina is a regular. Yeah. I think Studio 60 was great right up until um, What's His Butt's cousin got kidnapped or whatever that it was. was oh, that was the little. Hold awkward. on. Somebody is knocking on my door and I'm not expecting any. If so it was just your phone ringing, like- it could have been Melinda. Hold on. Right now, I'm opening your message. What message? The message you sent me today at 1.39 p.m. Oh, yeah, okay. We are going to have a Cracker Jack team on Puffo Exchange. I'm very excited about this. So far, we have Rinna and Aaron, and that's going to lead to all kinds of issues. OMG, you guys. It was a Chinese food delivery guy, and I didn't order any Chinese. Did you take the food? You told me you were going to order Chinese. Oh, God, she forgot she ordered Chinese, and now she turned (laughs) away the delivery driver. (laughs) No, I thought about it, but then I was like... I don't really want to be like, I didn't want to be on cold medicine and then like be attempting to eat low mane or something. I'm going to get a drink. She is, like, <laughs> she is like you never left. I'm taking the laptop into the kitchen. All right, this is good portable board. Oh, good. Now you're going to drink. While you're she's going to fall. She's going to fall while herself. she's drunk. No, oh, my gosh. Fall. I can still hear you because I brought the laptop with me. Was oh. there um was there, was there there a scavenger hunt of some kind going on in the forum? Yes, there was. Because I got so many random questions from people that haven't messaged me in like six months. Like random ass crap. Like, do you remember what started the Kool-Aid thing? No, what's the exact episode number? And I'm like, you do realize there's like 365 episodes of Potterfic Weekly, you know, like I don't know. 136, <laughs> but damn close. Um, well, then I'm looking at some of the questions. Name the episode that Gemma's on Vicodin. I'm like, can you be more specific? I'm actually yeah. first time. They watched how many of those I got like, off the top of my head. Well, the question, what episode was she on Vicodin was the Melinda interview. I mean, duh. Yes, yes. Like, that that was, was, I don't know. I feel like, for some reason, I'll always, I'll never be able to forget that the boat was episode of 19. <laughs> Melinda also so will not forget that the boat was episode 19 because that's when she became a raging alcoholic with everything. Oh, Ryan, I have missed your hyperbole. So. Oh, myself as well, Lady Chi. <laughs> Chi, did you ever finish the first season of Galactica? No. I have not, no. Okay, then I will try not to reference... I, I got I got to the pen out penultimate um episode and I just love that I'm in the company of people that I can say penultimate without having to explain myself but I did get to the penultimate episode of the when first you say season. penultimate do you mean couples last gleaming part one or the one before that uh the one before that the one before that do I want yeah. extra bold hazelnut or do I want uh, oh no you're not drinking coffee if you're drinking coffee I'm going back for wine <laughs> all right I can also have espresso blend and I can have something called jet fuel that looks oh, strong. <laughs> <laughs> this looks strong. Ooh. No, I had this yes, once. I found how drunk it. are you? How- I'm not. P.S. is always drunk. You're yes. really not? I thought you were always <laughs> drunk. See, because every week, every week, you say something, and I say, are you drunk? And you say, no, of course not. And then the following week, you're like, oh, God, I was so drunk last week. And I was like, that only happened once. All right, this is going to be the poof one exchange right now. So far, we have signed up. We have, P- we have P.S., we have Rinna, we have Aaron, and we have Death Roll. Rinna is going to be swearing at Death Roll. Aaron is going to be snoring as loud as he possibly can. I'm going to scream, Aaron! And Riven's going to be like, what? 
That's going to be the entire series right there. You know what I'm more excited about, Ryan? I am more excited about you finishing Doctor Who. Me I'm very too. excited about that. I am very I think excited that you- about the fact that Netflix finally got off their ass and got season four on instant streaming. Yes, Although now I'm I've got excited. two seasons of Torch in the middle. I don't even watch it and I'm excited. <laughs> you're you're watching two seasons. Yeah, I don't watch it on can Netflix. I just, can I just can I just take a moment and apologize to you now because I feel like exposing oh, you to that. I owe you an apology. Well, I had to apologize <laughs> to Richard because I got him into West Wing and then he watched season five. Season five kind of sucks. Season season six really sucks, and then season seven strives really hard to not suck as hard. But I actually like, like I think, six. I oh, like I got that. Richard back. I got Richard back for his his spoiling me half the silence. I was so pissed at him for that. I got him back because I spoiled him about Leo. I think I mentioned that John Spencer died in the middle of it. <laughs> no. Well, he, um, John horrible. Spencer, he almost made it. He had like four episodes left. He would have been. I fine. feel that that was like almost halfway there for the, all the spoilers he spoiled me. Oh, halfway there. All right. So we have the first six chapters of Stealing <laughs> Harry. <clears throat> I decided okay. that I was going to try and read the sequel after I finished the oh, story. Oh, don't. Mm-hmm. I've never read the yeah. we decided It was kind of funny now that I think about it, actually, because he ended up in, right. one, in one part of the series, he died, Something. but he became like a horcrux, only he was attached to Harry, remember? Can anyone hear me? We lose all the best stuff. Very we lost well. Mike being convinced that that guy was gay. That's who we yeah. were talking to? I'm, I'm making a list of the um, the, the Puffwa hosts, past and present, who are going to be carried over into Puffwa Exchange. And remember the scene, was it one of the Scream movies where they had like the yearbook photo with all the red X's over the faces? Uh-huh. Yes. So many people have come and gone. Yeah, like a picture was drawing the X over Mike. <laughs> like, oh, that was a sad, sad tale. Oh my gosh. Was Mike still not friendly, Ryan? No, because I stole his galleons. It's the dumbest thing in the history of the world. Oh, don't even start. Oh my god. I'm like I, hugging my laptop. My laptop is on the floor so that I won't be tempted to instant message people, and I'm hugging you. Oh, look at, look at, look at she. I like that. Alright. I am gonna be the best she ever. So I medicated myself. I went out of my way to get sick. I medicated myself. And I didn't order Chinese, but the gods were like, you know. Best she episode ever was the episode yeah. where it was just she and me. And she decided to take off for a little while. Well, you were talking, and you would shut up. And that you were talking for like my first episode ever. No, it wasn't that one. You literally, you like were eating at the dining room table, but the laptop was at the far end of the room. So you, uh huh, uh huh, mute me, run across the room, sit down, and like eat. And then every time I, you'd run over, uh huh, I agree, Ryan, click. <laughs> I don't, I don't remember it that way, but I'm well, sure you your memory is well. much better than mine. You're medicated as well. That's the weird thing about Barb is because like it's so old, but I never read it until now and like reading it now i swear to god it was like a big dose of nostalgia it was literally like i had been transplanted in time to 2002 but if you think about you have you have joe's you have barbs you have lori's you have these really big carpe diem by imogen yeah you have that well, it's the one that followed it, Alpha and Omega, right? That, those are the ones with the baby, right? Yeah, yeah those are yeah. The, those are like the, those are the quintessential baby fic. Well, the thing uh, about those, which is funny, is she started twelve stories all at different timelines and didn't finish. Do you remember the argument that we got into about doing that story? Okay, I, I don't think I really wanted honest, to do it though, did I? Ryan, this was when we were very first starting out, and this was the first like 
instance of me putting my foot down and being a raging bitch to everybody oh, I threw involved. It out. I threw it out there, but I really didn't care if we did it one way or another. Because it was that one, and it was Cassandra Clare, and those oh, were the two God. that I said, dear oh. God, no, we are not covering those stories. Oh, my gosh. We want to bitch talked- about Cassandra Clare. I remember. Yeah. Wait a minute. Why do you put, what is the Imogen in with Cassandra Clare, though? Is, because they- it's. Subject matter? Is it subject? Yes. Because it's, it's having a baby at Hogwarts. And I think that we have young listeners and that is inappropriate. And it was, it was very much a glorified situation too. Yes. Like it was, it was pretty like lovey dead. Like if you go back well, and you read them now, you're kind of horrified because. Fr- it, it, well, but from the plot reason though, it's not one of the fix where Harry and Ginny are bored one Friday to so decide let's have a baby because we live in Gloucester, Massachusetts and it's just the cool thing to do. There was actually, a pl- <laughs> no, there was actually a plot component. Like I've started fix that turned out to be the ones where they are in Gloucester and it, it wasn't yeah. that, but it did. You I just said that from the beginning. Beginning, I didn't want to do any stories that concerned having a baby at Hogwarts because we do have, and I don't even like doing the ones where they get drunk at Hogwarts because oh, we do have with all those. We I know that well. we have to do. I Melinda's don't like bit. it, but I, I because we do have young listeners, and you know it was kind of like that girl who was fourteen that kept me to tell her the name of that crack dick that I found where Harry was breastfeeding his babies, his well, butt yeah. babies. But by you've, you've, you've never mentioned that on the podcast since though have you but i didn't want to propagate these young kids getting a hold of stuff that was inappropriate for them to be reading right i mean i like i can see that but at the same part like there's a part of me that goes yes absolutely right and then there's another part of me that goes the podcast is marked explicit yeah for a reason so you should be it able is. to get away with doing certain things and saying but at the time when we had this argument we had not yet moved yeah we to- i don't think we've done that yet well my thing is on that turn on abc family and you can see what's the show about the uh, secret life of oh. yeah it's like i think can that- we talk about how much i hate that show with every fiber of my being no I- my problem is i sat down to watch it one day because I wanted to see what the what the thing was. I was really bored. I sat down to watch it one day, but I ended up watching. Is there a gymnastics one on yes. right after? I ended up watching the gymnastics one, and I'm sitting here like, where are the kids? This makes no sense. <laughs> so That's confused. horrible. Yeah, the thing that pisses me off about Secret Life of American Teenagers is that they're all band kids, and I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> I don't think I'm, as band kids, I never had time to run out and get pregnant because I was yes. always like. I was, I was always in the, practice. in the band, <laughs> and I'm not sure if you've smelled somebody who plays sousaphone, but there's not a whole lot of, like, attraction going on there, you know what I'm saying? Like, they have a distinct odor, and <laughs> I say that affectionately, because <laughs> they're carrying around heavy equipment all the time. Well, and I, think, stuff. I think Rena and I can sign a, a, a non-aggression pact right now, a peace treaty right now, and agree that we will never discuss the sex life of the American teenager, or whatever the hell it's called, on Popa Exchange. We will never do an exchange on that series. No, no, we will not. I, th- I think we're all set there. What was the thing with Cassandra Clare? Wasn't Death... Melinda, you know this. Wasn't Death Roll Cassandra Clare's... Beta. S- straight Beta? Was that straight the term? Beta. Yeah, the straight guy. He, he read the story when it was coming out, and he was the only straight male who ever commented, so he was officially the straight male Beta. Book this out now. Did she get a second publisher to publish it? Uh, okay, the that, City of Bones. Yeah. That okay, one. that was the one. Because I knew it made it to stores. So Which I, was named after her Ron Ginny fic. Yeah. Ron, wait, wait. What? Ron Ginny, like... Ron Ginny, like it sounds. Just don't like, even ask, Rena. Don't even go there. Oh my dear God! On what that note, is wrong with that. On, what is wrong with on that note? <laughs>
everybody this is ryan this is renna i'm p.s i'm melinda and i'm chi chi is at the end we don't know why chi is back she's been gone for 47 episodes we only have eight I left have. so it's not like I the have. research is a blah, blah, blah. this is kind of like my um what do you call that the when the fat swan lady comes song. out and sings. yeah swan song yeah so this you're about my... to drown <laughs> um no i'm the fat lady that's about to come out and sing. <laughs> I thought you were. I thought we needed to get you a life vest of some form. Mm-mm, no, now, I'm not. Rinna, I wish we can tell. It's probably a good thing. Well, welcome <laughs> back to Puffway. You've been dearly missed. Rena, unfortunately, is on a chair right now because we just brought up the concept of Ron Ginny and then started the podcast. So she's a little disturbed at the moment. <laughs> she's not happy. She's unwell. I swear, what in the hell is wrong with people? First, you got all these crazy ass morons doing butt sex babies, and now there's people who decide it's a good idea to have siblings do it oh my gosh i was i did um i did smutty claws this year and this may or may not be appropriate what the hell we're going off the air go for it (laughs) i did i did smutty claws this year okay and i filled out the form like it's it's an exchange okay and i filled out and i was not very specific about what i like and what i don't like so the story that i ended up with like this was the sequence of events okay um uh jenny raped harry and then um you Harry like this or get this? You got no, I got this. this. I got this as a gift. Somebody thought that I would enjoy this story. So Jenny raped Harry. <laughs> Harry raped Jenny. Luna and Jenny raped Harry. Um there's a lot of non-consexual sexual um sex going on. Then they went to a um uh what do you call that? Brothel in Barbados and had sex with like <laughs> ten different people there. And then um Draco Malfoy's wife came over um and tried to have sex with Harry, but Harry by that point was impotent, which by the way is so sexy I can't even tell you. And then, um, like, it was just, it was, like, the most awful story I've ever read. Like, and, start- and all I've taken from the story is that re- she read the damn thing cover to cover. I did. I read it. Start- you just could not look away. It, it was so awful. It, it was, was so, it was like, oh, God. It was like. And mm. I could okay, I, there was one point at which I started to cry because I was like, you know, like, you get something, like, you get a gift and you really want to like it, you know? And I was like, this is so horrible. And then, like, after about 10 thousand words i just got very zen about it and i just started to laugh and um and i'm not real sure that was the way to handle it but anyway i'm just saying that like poor taste is not a new thing for all of you I- wondering what that special oomph was that she brought to puff that's been missing for the past 47 episodes there it is right there that's <laughs> what she brings to puff it's been deeply deeply <laughs> deeply missed now gen one was supposed to be here this evening we were going to have a puff reunion gen one couldn't be here um believe it or not she's having a health issue this week uh, Oh my gosh. Jen- okay, apparently, Rina, you're in the medical field. I'm going to yes. talk and you're going to decode what the hell I'm saying, okay? Because okay. I don't really know them. Okay. Something about fluid between discs in her back. Like her okay. fluid, she has weak fluid. Like, I don't know what that, like her, something in, in her arm is like in a sling because she can't move her arm and they need to give, they need to give her an epidural 
because of something to do with the fluid between the, 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 the discs and the whatever. So they bring her, they say to her, okay, you need to have this epidural. Now we can do this one of two ways. We can either do it in the office. You, you come in the, we'll numb the area and we'll give you the epidural, or we can bring you to the hospital and we can knock you out and we can do it there. So Jen thinks about this and she says what I think we, we, we all would say in this case, which way's cheaper? <laughs> so she goes to the doctor's office and they sit her in the chair and they and they give her that th- her chin is on her chest and she's looking down and they from behind jab her with the, the epidural. Now the problem is apparently she has a cluster of nerves in that area that no other human being has. So Jen like passed out and and her blood pressure in her in her like my her blood pressure went, is dropping. Stop. Going I up and, Ryan. I and, hate needles. And they need, <laughs> and they need to give her like insulin, and she's all. So she wakes up and she's like sputtering, and she's like, she, "Oh my god, I really am well. So right she now. wakes up, and they're like, "We've never had that happen before." She's like, "Hi, I'm Jen." So then, <laughs> so then they're like, "Well, you know what? We're gonna have to. You're gonna have to come to the hospital, and you're gonna have to do it there because we obviously this didn't go well." And she's like, on, "She's literally like on an IV of water at this point because like." Like she is, like her blood is green now. She's like a Vulcan. It's an awful experience. So then she leaves, and they're like, "Please see Cindy and the receptionist to pay your bill." She's like, "I just paid fifty dollars for that." So Jen, trying to save money and get cheap epidurals, is paying the full price of the hospital visit. You know plus what, a $50 though? Okay, you give me an option of like any medical procedure. Like you can do this awake, or we could knock you out. And my answer is always going to be, "Knock me out." No, when I had my knock vis- me the heck out. I had my wisdom teeth out, and they. this is how they put it to me. They're like, now we can either bring you in, and we can put you out, and, and you'll gently go to sleep, and make the, take the teeth out. You, you won't feel a thing, and then we'll lay you on the little couch, and you'll wake up, and you'll feel refreshed like you had a nice nap. Or, if you're very, very, very brave, we can rip them out while you're awake. And I looked no, at see, her, and I I'm blinking. I'm like, is it your wasn't brother... wasn't that bad. You ain't putting me to sleep for nothing. Well, I looked at this woman, and I'm like... Like, I have a question. Is your brother-in-law in, like, the anesthesia business and a kind of drama business during this reception? And I'm like, you know what? And, and I say, I said, I think, what we all would say at this point. I said, which is cheaper? <laughs> and they said, well, the ripping, the, the, the gut-wrenching ripping of the teeth is cheaper. I'm like, let's do that. So then I go then I go to work the next day. I'm like, and they're like, well, what did you say? And I said, I, I would do what we all would say. And, and all my coworkers are like, yeah, which is cheaper? I'm like, yeah. So I told them, I, they said that one. And they're like, ooh. You know, I'm cheaper than you are, and I'm not that brave, and everyone, and then, then like, the six-foot-two guy who looks like he could literally, he looks like Lurch, he could, like, kill me with his thoughts. He's like, oh, I'm not that brave. I'm like, oh, my God, this is perhaps the wrong decision. And then my mother's friend used to be, I don't know what, the, the dental assistant, or, I don't know, he's not a dentist, whatever he is. Um, She used to work with him, and I called her, and I'm like, you know, I, I'm going to the doctor, whatever his name is, and what do you think I should do? And she's like, ooh, you know, Ryan, I, I, I respect him, he's a colleague, but... Eddie's a little rough. I'm like, holy <laughs> crap. So I call back. I call back. And I'm like, you know, I I get like this 87-year-old receptionist <laughs> coming in on Friday. And I said I would I, I would go the cheap route and just have you rip my gums apart and rip out the teeth. But I think I'd like the anesthesia. Now, this woman literally sounds like, she sounds like Barbara Billingsley, but like now, like 105-year-old Barbara <laughs> Billingsley. And she's like, oh, honey, come on, buck up. It's not that bad. <laughs> 
I'm like, I don't want to be wimpy in front of the grandma, but it's like, Eddie's a little rough, you know what I mean? So I'm like, but, but, but I'm told that, you know, it's, 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 honey, there's nothing to it. There's nothing to it. Just, just do it. Just don't be a baby. I, I don't think she said that, but that was like, like don't be, I'm like, all right, yeah, I guess I'll do Like, literally, I went in there and my mother drove me because I was expecting, you know, to like, need, like, power of attorney people. And literally, she's trying to parallel park the car and I went inside, they took the teeth out and I actually met her outside before she could even park. So it was nothing. But like, my God, I swear to God, they were trying to sell me discount in a Anesthesia. So thank God it didn't go through. Really? Well, I think my, yeah, I was I saying my <laughs> point before we got even into all of this, <laughs> like 10 years ago, was that I started reading this story and I really liked it. And then I read the started to read the sequel. And now I don't know if I like the story anymore because I know what's coming in the sequel. And I I'm don't pissed. That. I don't. That happens. Tell me what happens. <laughs> don't tell me. Well, Hello. I'm in the room. <laughs> it's just like, what? The, what? Rena, this is what I was Don't suggesting. Don't Guys, I'm up to chapter six. Do not spoil. This is what I suggest. No, these are just. It's not even in this. In this right. one, he's like eight years old. You just need to. You just need to learn a little technique that I've learned recently in the Doctor Who fandom. I like to call it plugging the ears and singing, and that just means <laughs> at whatever point the story starts to get a little bit ridiculous or a little bit stupid, or perhaps um, your favorite character gets killed, or maybe his romantic partner gets killed, and you would like to petition the BBC to bring him back to life because the people in your life aren't certain already that you're crazy. Then perhaps what you should do is like stick your fingers in your ears and just start singing. It is the only way that Melinda Leo got through episode 19 of Potter. And honestly, like I had high hopes for this story because I'm beginning to discover that I can stomach just about anything in fandom as long as Harry Ginny is also part of the story. You can pair Ron or Hermione with whoever the hell you want. You can make Dumbledore a giant neon yellow eggplant. I don't care. As long as Harry and Ginny are together, I can handle it. And it's okay. So I had high hopes for this because you get introduced to the Weasleys fairly early on in the series. And so right. I'm like, oh, okay, this is going to be good. This is, Everything is going to be cool. It's going to be great. And then I read the sequel, like the first chapter, and there is no Weasleys. And I'm just like, well, Rina, fuck Rina, this. Rina, this is my favorite story, and I haven't read the sequel. In my view, that's where it stops. <laughs> I was okay. hesitant to read it because I'm always slightly wear, wary of any kind of story that, that changes, you know, they make Harry's home life all hunky-dory because I just feel like not only does he, it He hasn't Harry's suffered life, enough is what Melinda's No, but it, I just find it makes it a lot less compelling of a story to, to right. and it messes with the hero's journey. I just don't care for it. So I was very leery of reading it, but once I started it, I really got pulled in. I loved little Harry at the beginning of this. Oh, he yeah. is. Uh, so I want, I want so I got Harry. sucked right in. By the middle of the story, I got kind of bored. I, I was like, uh, you know, and it took me a long time. I ended up walking away for a while, come back, but I, I, I did it. By the end, I'd had it. You were gen every, too, by the end of it. If I can make a general observation. <laughs> No, 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 no. Okay. No, no, okay. No. Oh, oh my God. It's just easier. But That's um, easier? how is that easier? Stop. <laughs> just, just stop. <laughs> Whoever's editing this, make that sound good. Don't worry, Captain. We'll buff out those scratches. <laughs> 
Why does everything become confusing? P.S. That's because, you know, you you started off liking Doctor Who and that was fine. And then you decided you liked Torchwood better, which was confusing to me. Okay. And then. Oh, I like Torchwood. is Laura Slughorn. P.S. You're a little confusing. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I'm not confused. Although, (laughs) although. Completely lovable. Saul Tai has edged out, we determined. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. What? Saltai from Battlestar Galactica is now her favorite character. Whose wife, by the way, is a raging bitch. Wow. I love Ellen's character, though, because everyone in the show is so, I am military, and I am this, and I am... And then you just have Ellen, who's a complete skank. (laughs) If I may, it is not a very happy story. It's a story of the Holocaust. Who told you it's a happy story? I know. It's a tragedy, but uh, you know what? We're talking about Battlestar Galactica. We're not talking about Stealing Harry. (laughs) I'm trying to find a way to like make that click together but um i actually i really like this this story in general but i think it's also pretty indicative of like how sam tends to like view the world if you go and you read like his torchwood stuff and his like he follows canon right up until a certain point where something bad happens to his favorite character and then he just kind of takes a sharp it, turn left nice. it struck me as he follows canon until his favorite character turns out to be straight and then he's like eh, eh, i don't like that i don't think that <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty much. I just want to compare this to the Dangerverse series, because there were a lot of similarities there. Now, in the Dangerverse series, Harry is taken away from the Dursleys when he is, like, a year old? Yeah. Like, around there. Like, Danger was the babysitter. So, so Remus essentially takes Harry away when he's in diapers, and and that's the end of that. And he meets Ron. I seem to remember he meets Ron at, like, a playground when he's six, and then, like, seven years later, Ron's like, oh, I remember that kid from the playground. He was the only kid who ever talked to me in the history of my life i missed that and it turned out to be harry but in this story we get harry's there until he's eight and it's not like the scene where you know vernon beats the crap out of him in the middle of the sidewalk or whatever and and they take it i mean it's just it's a normal everyday day and Sirius and and remus take him away so i'm curious melinda what you think that your thing is you don't like the hero's journey to be interrupted or harry to be taken too soon do you think that it's acceptable to, to to pull Harry away from that world, you know, maybe three years early? Or do you think it's not because he doesn't go right to Hogwarts and... and- I think the reason that I liked this was because that we still had the right start at the Dursleys rather than just being a year where there was no memory. Um, and quite honestly, I think they downplayed a lot of the level of abuse that really did go on at the Dursleys. But they still gave him a family. So he had that unit that, that, that the, real, the real Harry, the canon Harry is always longing for, kind of searching for. That's kind of an underlying theme throughout the whole thing. And I just find when you take that away, it, it's just, it's not the same story. But doesn't it open up like a new can of worms almost? Because we have the same backstory for Harry. We have the, you know, the Cinderella backstory, you know, the kid who's shoved under the stairs for however many years, but no one loves him. And he still is a reasonably good kid. And instead of moving him to a school where he has enemies and friends and people love him and people hate him and people kiss him and people tie him to graves and rip his body open and steal his blood. Like, instead of, you know, a world that's so black and white, he immediately goes into a world where he's accepted. Like, for me, isn't that like a... Except that the problem is is that if... that, That Harry's entire drive, like, what drives him as a person is to find 
a family to find a place where he belongs. And if you take that away and you give it to him too soon, then he won't respond to Dumbledore the same way. He won't respond to the Weasleys the same way. He won't, you know, it doesn't, he's not the same character because he doesn't willing to sacrifice himself for that family. Cause he's going to have that love for that family. But the Harry, the reason he, he, he did what he did. He saved everybody. He, he, he was, he was the kid. He was raised like Snape and, and Voldemort and he had nothing. And, and it, it was a miserable childhood, but he still had the love to save everybody. It changes everything. I think it changes Harry, and I don't, I don't yeah. like it. As- but can I do? I mean, let me put it this way: If it were a story like the Change Reverse, and Harry, you know, moments after being abandoned on Privet Drive, you know, like they leave him and they leave the note, and McGonagall is teary-eyed. Dumbledore, you know, has his little walker, and they move away, and then you know, like Remus jumps out of the bush, grabs him, you know, before Petunia gets to the door and runs off with him. If you have that type of story, you have Harry who just grows up as a normal kid who maybe he's famous, maybe he has no idea who he is perceived as, but he doesn't, you're right, he doesn't have that backstory, but like when you look at fan fiction, fan fiction is the chance to maybe do things differently sometimes, isn't it? He has eight years, you know, instead of having 11 years, you know, as, you know, a male Cinderella and then having seven years at Hogwarts, you know, with, with the good and the bad, he, he has that eight years is enough and he he learns everything he's going to learn from the Dursleys in eight years, and then he gets a transition period where he's loved. And but he still is the product of the Dursleys. It doesn't undo everything. It doesn't change everything, and it, and it gives that different perspective. So that then you can say in the story, look how differently he responds to Dumbledore. Look how differently he responds to the. Isn't it? Can it be a vehicle to do that too? But Harry wouldn't be willing to sacrifice himself at the end if he thought he had people to go home to, because under the whole story arc. The theme in the end is that Harry, at the end of the story, has to be willing to completely to kill himself. He has to be willing to completely walk away and 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 die. That's what he has to be willing to do. And And if he had a family to come back to, he would not be willing to do that. But I don't. I never took that from. I'm curious if you all took that from the canon because my thing from the canon was he's loved by the Weasleys. Granted, Sirius is dead and, and and Remus is dead at that point, and and his parents are obviously dead. But he has people in the he has. Ginny and he has Ron and he has Hermione he has people he loves in and he's willing to die for them just like any parents willing to die for their children but I never got from the canon that Harry sorry is hopeless and he had nothing left to live for so he would he didn't, but he had more, you know, it was the scene in the, you know, the scene where he's walking and he's got Lily and James and Remus and Sirius with him. Right. You know, he, what he wants, what he's longed for is family and the family is not he's on the other side. Exactly. And that's why he, I mean, he has to be willing to give up what he has in this realm in order, you know, and it, I mean, I understand well, I mean, what you're saying, and I'm doing a really question. crappy job of, of no, no, I see where you're going with this, Rena, but I think I want to shift the question a little bit. If, if you have, if, if he grows up with this family, okay, if at the age of eight, he's taken in by Ramus and Sirius and, you know, develops this family unit. And then, you know, when it comes time for the seventh year, if he's still willing to sacrifice himself for his whole family, does that not make his sacrifice somehow bigger? If you have something to come home to, if you but have I just, a whole I, family. I don't think he would be willing to sacrifice because I don't know. he doesn't I think, have I think, that. I think there are a lot of people that get up every morning and are willing to sacrifice themselves for their family and the greater good of society that have loving families. But look at the, the end of canon, though. When Harry <laughs> makes I'm that... Sorry. 
As someone swallows her microphone. You're right? Yeah. <laughs> but look at the end of canon, though. Harry sacrifices himself, and as a result, all of his fr- friends and family, you know, quote unquote, on family, get the blood protection sacrifice. And they're, you know, Neville can't be harmed. Ginny can't be harmed. You know, Molly can't be harmed. He saved he did ev- it everyone. I think if he had Sirius and Remus as, as, a, as a family unit, they would, it would count as more for them. It wouldn't extend to everybody else. But I still think he'd be willing to do it. I mean, I'm reminded of the scene where um, I'm trying to think as I read on a little bit. I think this is right near the end of, the, of chapter six for tonight. When Harry and Ron go to Diagon Alley and Snape finds Harry and, and he's returned, you see Sirius like charge through the crowd to get to Harry because Harry's missing. They don't know where Harry is. They've lost Harry. And you could tell at that, that instant he'd be willing to do anything, sacrifice himself in a second. It's not even the question to save Harry. I still think that he would certainly be willing to do that in Deathly Hallows because Ron and Hermione aren't there. And they've been his best friends for seven years. So I still think that even though most of the people he loved are on the other side, I still think he had plenty of leave behind and i know what you're saying it would have been more but i, I yeah, like friends you, are different than than family though it, no matter how close you are with the friends ser- it's but serious but serious though serious isn't his family serious is his godfather but he's not if they anymore. raise him biologically it doesn't if they raise him they're his parents I don't know. I never thought. Yeah, you know, I'm with her. I, I serious and Remus are definitely his parents in the story. Oh, they're definitely his parents in the story, but it never occurred to me that I, I just, I think I see it the way she does. It's two sides of the same coin. Even either all of your family has died and you don't want to stay here anymore. Not saying you're suicidal, but you're, you're fine moving on to the other side if it means that you can save the rest of the world versus, you know, you have everything to lose, but it's still the right thing to do when you're protecting the people who are still here by doing it. I just see it as two ends of the same coin. I don't see it as, you know, it ruins the ending of the canyon. I just think it would come from the different... I think it just comes from a different angle. Right. And Well, yeah. I mean, I, and I, but I, I, mean think, like I was saying, I mean, I never read beyond this in the series because I wasn't possessed to because this is the story I wanted to read. I wanted to read the story of Remus and Sirius, you know, adopting Harry, and that's the story I was content with. I, I just, I think that even though in his mind, Harry at the end of canon, you could logically say, okay, I have people that are still here for me. I have people that love me, that care about me, that are going to be upset if I'm not here. I still think in his mind, he didn't really believe that his death would make that big of an impact on them. And he still felt that everything that he wanted was going to be ahead of him if he died. And that's, mm-hmm. and that's I, why I, he was willing, yeah. that why, that's why he was able at that point to sacrifice himself, to take that curse and, and cross over and speak to Dumbledore who told him, you know, this is why, this, this is why all this happened and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, but we can know, just I'm keep going sure. around and around and around on. No, no that was a, <laughs> no, yeah, I'm people can sure, make up their like, minds too. I'm not sure that without the profound influence of Dumbledore, if Dumbledore doesn't take on this sort of, fatherly role like if if in as in this story as you'll come to see as you see more and more of Dumbledore um, you don't get those early years where Perry's perception of him and the reader's perception of him is colored by the fact that 11 year olds tend to see adults as infallible you know um, then you, that sort of changes things too because in a way Dumbledore has been shaping Harry 
for what Harry has to do in the seventh book since the beginning of the first book. Right. You know, he will, he readily puts Harry into these situations where Harry is going to have to make the decision for the greater good all of the time from the first book to the seventh book. You know, the Dumbledore continuously puts this. And if there's a parent in the picture who says, no, what you're doing is not to the benefit of my child. Okay. Then are you in the same situation? Do you end up with the same kind of hero character of Harry who, because everybody around him has put him in this frame of reference that he's the hero. If nobody ever just treats him like he's the 11 year old kid with nobody protect him. Cause Harry doesn't you know? have a parent in the series. I mean, the closest you get is Molly Weasley screaming, Oh, that Dumbledore, how dare he, blah, blah, blah. but she doesn't stop. But she goes along with Dumbledore. It's like, even they said yeah. Ron tried to, Ron told him that she tried to get Harry to come home after, the Triwizard Tournament with her and Dumbledore, whatever he told her, but yeah. she accepted. Dumbledore knows best. She just accepted it. Yeah, whereas right. if, if... Sirius and Remus wouldn't have done that. Use Melinda as an example. If someone was messing with one of Melinda's kids, you would hear, you know, a quiet, tranquil scene, and all of a sudden Melinda comes flying over the wall <laughs> with a bat in her hand. I mean, you, you don't mess with the parents. So I think that's that's one of the things I, w- I would like to see in the story, is see how, even though it's going to be certainly different from the canon, see how Harry is a different person as a result of the fact that he has two advocates who will be parents to him and will have his back versus I think Molly never Molly complained and wrote letters to the editor and she wailed but Dumbledore got everything well, he wanted Molly didn't yeah, really I, have I love legal, Molly never had Sorry. a legal stump to stand on right you know she could say this is my child's best friend but she doesn't have a you know Dumbledore well, by virtue of position. But even, well, Dumbledore had no legal leg to stand on. He's the principal of the local Dumbledore high school. Dumbledore is Dumbledore, though. He yeah. could he could get uh-huh. away with it. But but true, Molly didn't have the legal leg. But even there were scenes like in Chamber of Secrets when, when Gilderoy Lockhart pulled Harry up there. I always wanted Molly and Arthur to – I mean, obviously, Harry wasn't comfortable. But even then, they didn't – I don't know, just yeah. to stand up for him. But they didn't do that then. But that, And it's good in the writing that they didn't because it just reinforces the fact that Harry, you know, for is everything on his he own. has, he's yeah. an orphan. And there is no department. Social services. But I think that's yeah. the big part yeah. of the whole why the story resonates with so many people is that he and Snape and Voldemort were the Lost Boys, right? He's, there's even a line that calls the three of them that the Lost Boys, but the way he turned out and so different yeah. despite it is just part of the triumph of the whole story. So one of the things in the story that, and I'm sorry, PS, for coming up, one of the things in the story that really showed me that, that this won't just, you know, it's not sending out to erase the first eight years of Harry's life and erase those Dursleys and see how he would have turned it out, turned out, is when he goes to pick out toys and to pick out, I think, is it Sirius takes him to Target or somewhere and, and they want to buy him stuff and he's very selective. He, he only picks out, you know, the very prudent toys, the ones he likes better than the others. He's not Draco saying, give me everything or I've been deprived. I want you know, a, a thousand yeah. teddy bears. He's like, well, this one seems like a perfectly reason. I can get a lot of wear and tear out of this. Like he's like, like he grows up as like a child of the depression who knows the value of a dollar. Like, yeah, and that, that completely broke my heart because it's like, I mean, this isn't like one of those deals where they take him where he, when he's a baby and he doesn't remember and he just grows up like a normal. A normal kid, but and Hermione's his sister. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is enough that he's going to remember this. Like, yeah. I mean, he's going to remember the first eight years of his life. And the thing that's different too is Harry in the series has always been the not your normal. Like it, most people in Harry's age, like my, like my wife's grandfather grew up in something like a hundred different orphanages when he was younger, and he's seventy three, seventy four years old. You can tell he's had a tough childhood because in many ways he still is looking for acceptance from people. 
he thinks Danielle one night didn't call him back and he thought she hated him for some reason because she waited an hour before she called him back. And he's like sitting by the phone waiting for it to ring. I mean, people have lasting issues even decades after childhood's way you know, less traumatic than Harry's. And he, well, and you know, if, if we're tw- talking yeah. about, if we're talking about like, prov- like one to eight, like zero to eight, that, that age range, I think Sam must have given some thought and done some developmental research. Cause those are the years we're talking the early childhood years, officially they designate now from zero to eight. Those are, I mean, that's when you're starting to form attachment. That's when you're learning how you learn. That's, you know, language, socialization, like all of those things, they have to happen in what is relatively a short amount of time from zero to eight. So everything that you sort of, you know, do and think and believe and that sort of stuff is formed, the foundations of it are formed in that first eight years. So I think that that's sort of an interesting year to sort of break Harry off from the Dursleys. Because it's like Sam is saying, this is the most, this is the foundation of what makes Harry Potter, Harry Potter. And at this point forward, I can move him in a different direction and still have him be essentially the same human being. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's why, I mean, I love AU. I mean, I'm a big, big fan of AU. And I think this is an interesting one because it's exactly as she says, this is different from the way most of them are in that you're still getting enough of the Dursley to make Dursleys to make an impact, but you're still moving the character in a different direction. It was very understated. Like other stories we've read have Vernon, you know, torture the hell out of Harry and, you know, Remus can't help but step in and do something. In this one, it's not this, this traumatizing event is, it's essentially that Dudley picks on him at school and they find out about the, no, they didn't find out about the cover yet, but it's not incredibly traumatizing compared to other effects, but they, decide this is it we can't wait any longer and they do and they take him out of there because number one what right did Dumbledore have to put him in there in the first place and number two it's the right thing to what we will not let our you know dead friend's son be raised this way when we have the potential to step in and stop it and it's not so dramatic or at least at this point dramatic as you know we will you know have assumed names and I will be the beggar at the local grocery store and we will stick him in a wig if I can make a general observation <laughs> That would be a year like none other, and we will edit okay. that comment out of the podcast. Fix that. You're good. You're good. You're good. And stop. <laughs> um, no. What? I, just, I think it's just. I think it's. I not. missed that. Yeah. yeah, I don't know what you're talking about either. No, oh, it was a well. year like none other. Um, <laughs> we were. She was being a little, um, a little critical, and this was after Boatgate, so we were very. <laughs> we tried to be very sensitive, and I made a comment like. Mush. Spoon is too big. And apparently, I am a banana. But anyway, I just think that the story is, um, it, it's kind of, you know, we've read a lot of stories like this where somehow Harry's home life gets changed. We read um, A Year Like None Other, Dangerous. You know, we've read some similar stories to this, and I think what makes this one stand out from the pack, I think, is the sort of the no understated way. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, I think. P- I'm sorry, P.S. I think your mic is a little too close to your nose because oh. I feel like I feel like I'm your sinuses right now. Okay. <laughs> I'm like every time she breathes, I'm hanging onto the side of the couch. Well, I was saying, I was gonna say. I mean, you were. She's saying, well, th- this is the one I like. 
I mean, I don't, I don't like any of the other of those other stories. Well, I'm not saying that. I think I like, no, I like I some don't. of the other ones. I think that <laughs> this is like, this is sort of the understated version. I think there's a certain nobody's degree. buying. You like, you like no other chain. And I gave that like a Herculean <laughs> effort. I tried. I still get messages about this gave thing, but it's it not your life. Well, I love the. I still have the email from Melinda where she's like, "Look, Ryan, I read 77 chapters of this. It counts as the full story. I'm over the threshold." <laughs> Good experience, but anyway, um, you can find things to laugh about in anything like like I, I mean, we did we yeah. did we made fun of melinda leo who wrote a very solid story and still one of my favorites that i reread still one of my favorites we still found things to sort of mock but nicely i would hope or, except oh, for the she, boat thing. She, wait till you see what we did to you when you haven't been here these last 45 episodes i went through when i was listening to some of the old episodes today as sort of like a preparation to get myself in the right mindset you know to get back to that twiffle feeling and um, there are there are a surprising amount of references to me. I was very I was pleased. I've had sound clips. It's not a matter of being closed minded or open minded. Like as far as I'm concerned, like my like thing. Um, it's not necessarily like if you like something or you don't like something, that doesn't make you closed minded or open minded. It seems know what you like, you know. Like, why bother wasting your time if you know you're not going to like the premise? That's, okay, that's not an entirely fair statement. I didn't mean to say that if I started to say that. Because what I will read versus what I will... Well, that's not even fair anymore, really. I've watched a lot of... What's really funny is, like, when you start out writing... Like, yes, that, you haven't been publishing that long, but I've been publishing for, like, seven or eight years on the Internet. And, like, I used to have a list of things that I would never, ever write. I, would, I was such a snob. I was like, I'm never going to write... But I'm never going to write, you know... Bond stories. I'm never going to write, and I totally have done everything that I have said that I would never do. So, I mean, it's just a matter of, as I get older as a uh, writer and as a person, like, I continue to push my boundaries and become comfortable with different things. If you have to start out, I guess you don't have to, maybe, but I started out kind of same, and then <laughs> just kind of have to branch out from there, so. Well, like, the thing of it is, is, like, I don't know. I've, I'm really, I'm having a hard time articulating my point. I don't know what's wrong with me. Not that I'm saying, like, having kids isn't a good thing or anything. I'm just saying that, you know, there's, well, I mean, like, there, at a certain point, like, okay, you know, it's still fantasy. Like, if that's something that's, like, turned on or something, then you are, like, want to fantasize about it, but... You know, you can still, still is not about it, and yeah, the next not. Well, we just lost Chi. Bye, Chi. We'll miss you, Chi. We'll muddle yes. through. Lord. All right, but back to stealing back Harry. To Harry. Back to stealing Harry. Okay, my, my my question about stealing Harry was: I was looking for the moment of divergence. Okay, Peter betrays James and Lily. Right. And what does what is exactly that Lucius does? Lucius oh, goes. Oh, see the moment. See, like the, the interesting thing about this story, and the thing I really like is the point of divergence is not that Remus and Sirius adopt Harry, like you might think. The point of divergence happened way before, and it's. 
when Sirius stops to pick up Remus before he goes to confront Peter. Yeah. That's the point of divergence. And then Lucius Malfoy gets turn. And this yeah. is what confused, this is just what killed me about the entire thing. Because they're just like, they took a wrong turn. And I'm like, I love that though. That, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. How do you take a wrong turn when you're traveling by apparition? Really? <laughs> <laughs> what, do you turn around an extra time and overshoot your destination? Rina? Rina? They, turned her, they turned around an extra time and fell over. Rina, <laughs> yeah, I, that Rina, broke me when I Rina, read that. I, was I like, have lived in the same town for 29 years, okay? I have a master's degree. I'm generally considered not a dumb guy. I got lost on the way to the barber last Wednesday. I've been going there for 11 years. I looked up, I'm like, where the hell am I? So then I'm like, alright, because I'm right, I'll, I'll turn around, I missed my exit, so I'm like, I'll, tr- I'll take exit 50, and I'll, and I'll, tr- and I'll turn around, because I needed exit 48. I'm like, I'll take exit 50, because I already passed 49. And I'll, and I'll go on the other side of the highway, and I'll take exit 48 on the other side of the highway okay so i'll just do a little u-turn so i get on the other side of the hi- there is no exit 48 on the other side of the highway so then i have to take exit 47 then i got the map out trying to find the damn barbershop it can happen except that you're doing it by car you weren't doing it by apparition i weren't just supposed to like pop up wherever you were going i mean maybe i was mistaken but i thought they were on the flying motorbike well i know that but just still the whole idea of them no, taking no, a no. wrong that destroys turn. your entire theory that destroys your entire theory like seriously no. Picture this right now. Picture this right now. You know, it's it's the moment, you know, people from the future have come back in time and they're under invisibility cloaks just to watch this moment in time because, you know, at the Harry you know, Potter Museum of whatever, you know, they, they study this moment in time because this is when everything happened and they're all gathered under their invisibility cloaks and they're like, now everyone be quiet because they're about to come by on the motorbike. And then you see the motorbike going in the complete opposite direction. <laughs> I wonder, uh, you know, I just bet we should have turned left at Albuquerque. And then maybe a right turn at La Jolla. Hmm. I think their GPS system was definitely programmed. Three Make the next league in that U-turn. snarky ass voice that it does. Make the legal U-turn. This is in the background. So you're going the wrong way. Serious. This is my bike. I know where I'm going. <laughs> yeah. I don't. No, I just that when they referenced they took a wrong turn looking for <laughs> P- Peter Pettigrew. That just absolutely broke my brain no, when I read. Mike, I think it's fantastic. There was, there's a couple spots during the course of this fic when my brain got broke on a couple things that just stretched a little beyond imagination. Yeah. No, but if you're seriously like, you can either have this giant. You no, know it is for me. It's like from the Indiana Jones movie where you know the guy does the fancy sword fight and he just shoots him. It's like, oh. That's my favorite moment in all of time. <laughs> well, didn't Harrison Ford had like the stomach flu or something and he could never. Yeah. Yeah, he had, so like, just he had a, well, like, he, no, because they had planned this big sword fight, and Harrison Ford just looks over at George Lucas and he goes, why are we even doing this? Indiana Jones would just shoot him. And George Lucas is like, you know what? You're right. <laughs> That's what they did. And it's not like I watched yeah. the extra uh, the extra features on my Indiana Jones DVD like 6,000 times. I'm just saying that that's how it went down. <laughs> no, but here's my question. Okay, so Sirius takes the wrong turn. So they're like, they're, they're trying to call GPS to get direction. So, okay, Lucius, does he go after Peter? And if so, why? That's I didn't quite get the Lucius Malfoy connection. Lucius was going to get him and and like pick him up and take him somewhere, and then but Peter Pettigrew was fighting because like, like twenty yeah twenty Muggles died. Muggles. I love yeah. Arthur. I heard there was eight. They lied. Those lying liars. Them. He's eight is so much better than twenty, but it's like. <laughs> I, 
I really didn't follow that, but it was Lucius overcome with the death of Peter. Like, I'm like, I, I don't think he carries. Just, and I, it was like a throwaway line. I'm like, oh, there's going to be much more on this later. And I'm like, um, what was what happened there? Now, is there more to come on that? I in the sequel. Yeah, it's not in the story. It's not in the story. She's sorry. ready to go to bed. It's 8.50 at night, ladies and gentlemen. 8.50. I'm so sorry. No, I'm I'm awake. I'm on top of it. Like, I am ready to rock it, and roll. You need some Orion's coffee. How are you we doing do. with that? I am fan-dab-tastic. <laughs> I was reading... Okay, I went, to de- I went to the eye doctor the other day, because I'm blind, and one eye and can't see out of the other. And um, But literally, because I stepped in my glasses yesterday and broke them in four places, so I had to go to the eye doctor. And, like, not just, like, I broke them, like, where the lens attaches to the frames and then where the, like, holder attaches to the frames. And, like, I broke them in four places. So I went to the eye doctor. And I'm reading, like, in their in the waiting room, they have this book called The Family Medical Handbook. And I thought to myself, I could use some new, like, useless knowledge, right? And I opened it up, and I'm sort of skimming through, like, all the different causes of diarrhea or whatever and constipation. And I'm like, there's a lot of body fluids in this section. So I kept right reading, you know, and <laughs> I get to the section on, like, things to avoid. And the first section is, like, cigarettes. And I'm like, okay, that makes sense, okay? And then there's, like, um, illegal drugs. And I'm like, okay, that makes sense. And then there's, like, four pages on the evils of caffeine and, like, Moving what it is. <laughs> <laughs> and I looked at my, di- I looked down at my diet coke, and I was like, oh, "You son of a bitch!" <laughs> You're speaking to the guy who comes home, kisses his wife hello, and kisses the Keurig coffee maker. <laughs> Not particularly in that in order. that order. Not particularly in that order. <laughs> well, what was it? I picked up that um, skinny bitch diet book the other day because yeah. I was, I was just, I was in Target and I was just flipping pages, and I was just kind of like, "Hey, what? You know, whatever. I'm going to take a look at this." And it's it's like, oh, it's this best-selling book. It's going to do all this and blah, 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 blah. And I got so mad after reading it because it's just – it's basically – it's an, it's a vegan propaganda book is what it yeah. is. It and is. the whole it's- thing was just like – it's all like, you shouldn't eat meat because farming because farming practices are cruel. And I'm like, okay, that has nothing to do with why I'm fat. <laughs> Farming practices have nothing to do with my weight. So if I wanted to get yelled at about large-scale farming operations, I would read a book about large-scale farming operations. But I don't want to read about that right now. Especially if that book about farming operations is written by somebody who lives in New York and who's never been to a real farm in her entire life. Just saying. Oh, exactly. (laughs) And then then she went on a tirade about the evil dairy industry and how the dairy industry is trying to kill all of us. Wait, what was the movie where guys daughter was going to the prom. It was this famous psychologist who wrote a book about how to raise your teenage daughter and he followed all the advice because he's the jock dad trying to save his kid. And finally, he, he's completely screwed up his kid. Then like at the end of the story, the, the, the psychologist is like, no really, this is the thing you have to do. He's like, that's ridiculous. No, you have to do it. I'm a psychologist. How many kids do you have? Well, I technically have no kids. I've never even seen a child, but it should work. I don't even know what you're talking about. Yes, you were really drunk last week. I was really drunk. You never watched Christmas Vacation. That's irrelevant. What does that have to do with anything? (laughs) She's like, she's like, I'm not familiar with that B movie you're speaking of. I'm like, you've never seen the A movies. This is like one of those things that he always brings up when he wants to change a subject. Just like when I what's that? What do they call that logical fallacy where you like you you have somebody in a corner and they bring up something completely unrelated just to like Zachary? What is that called? Straw man argument. It's like like, that's what Ryan does when he says you got stuck in a door. 
You sir, are, you sir, are. you hear that one? <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, hair. Story about PS getting stuck in the door again. No, we've done it for three weeks in a row. That story. I don't know what other angle we can possibly bring to that story, but I'm seriously like Harry from the Psychic Serpent trilogy. When I get backed into a corner, I'm like, ooh, look, a tent. ADHD, Harry, or ADD, Harry. You know what, Ryan? From now on, whenever, um, whenever you call me, because you call me so often these days, I do. Your, um, your ringtone is going to be if I only had a brain because you're a scarecrow because you use a straw man all the time. <laughs> oh, that was, uh, that was a deep uh, insult. And you know like, what? If so she edible. only heard half of the things you said about her in the previous 30 episodes, it's actually not that bad. <laughs> no, I pulled all of these different clips from previous episodes and I have one, it was, it was I think it was the one where it was just she and, and I don't even know why, but it's on my iPod and it's like a three second clip and it got stuck with all the other clips that I was listening to in a sequence. I'm walking around my office park and I'm, I'm doing the walking thing at lunch and all of a sudden you hear in like very loud volume compared to everything else, gee, you bitch. And I have no idea where it came from. So it's on there in the middle somewhere. You so. know what? That, I would I would say I'm shocked by that. That's something that gets said to me pretty regularly and I'm not sure why. So the zinger is fine. The zinger I have fine. actually not been called on the phone by anybody else on the entire podcast ever. Really? When I was a full-time really? host, my phone would ring all the never. time. I never got called by... I've never been called by anybody. I've gotten, like, maybe six text messages from Ryan since I met him. I mean, I've never been called by anybody. It's the same thing, like, all those stupid, like... even called Keza. <laughs> yeah, I know. You've called Keza, and, and no one has ever called me. It's kind of like... Was more just to see if we, that was more just to see if we could do it, though. <laughs> well, it's those stupid, like, little meme things they do on LiveJournal where it's like, tag 10 of your friends. I've been tagged once. That's oh my god, it. I always get tagged. Oh, I, I hate that. I never, ever, ever get tagged. Ever. Never, me, ever, I never ever, get Rina. tagged either, but I don't care. Because Rina, I don't s- send me your phone number. I'm calling you at 6 a.m. tomorrow. The <laughs> other thing is, on Facebook, I swear to God, if I get one more Farmville thing on my profile, you're all going to Oh my god, what is with people? Any of that crap. Like, I don't play okay. Farmville. Here's my question, seriously. How many times have I ranted on the podcast about how much I hate cows and chickens and goats and various other animals? <laughs> you usually hey, rant at hey. us for not knowing enough about cows if you really and want to people cool. and people keep sending me farm villain like what makes you think like based on how much I hate like being outdoors and um, animals in general you live in Kansas um, uh, that I would want to play Farmville. <laughs> well, for you, you know it's like bringing funny. the work home with you. Yeah. If I wanted to play <laughs> Farmville, I would just go four hours west and hang out with my uncle for a couple days. Okay. Like I, really See, don't. I don't do Farmville and I don't do any of the other stuff, but I do play the School of Wizardry game. I do, but the I don't School like it because too. they just changed it and it's not Harry it's Potter not Harry stuff anymore. anymore. They all yeah, made it, it up. Got a lawsuit. They absolutely had to be threatened with a lawsuit. Back yeah, to the pick. Which is actually Harry Potter. There's actually like a serious question that I've been contemplating that I would like answers to. Fire. Okay. Um, so there's a lot of like tropes in this fic. Um, a lot of what? Like what tropes. tropes. Like, it's, it's our big like, word of the hour. No, I didn't hear um, she got cut off. Tropes. Tropes. Like standard yes. ideas. I know what tropes are. Well, somebody asked me what a trope was. 
Who did? Never mind. Okay. They're a lot of tropes in this deck. Like, you know, um, manipulative Dumbledore, basically good at heart, basically misunderstood Snape, that kind of stuff. So, <laughs> sorry. Like, <laughs> That's where I, uh, that, that's where I started getting irritated once he appeared. Of course, there's this one line. It says, of course, Severus Snape would come to the shop. He was not the sort to heroically and moreover anonymously save the day. He would vanish at the time. So no thanks could be forthcoming. Though Remus had owled him the night before, thanking him profusely and then reappear to rub their noses in no particular order. Their lack of parenting skills, their lack of finding Harry skills, his own heroics and unassuming rescue of the boy and the indignities he suffered for the greater good. I think that was my favorite description of Snape ever. (laughs) (laughs) Someone's in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. Your lack of finding Harry skills. You can start seeing that too. He's like, I found your kid. Put the bell on him. (laughs) What I didn't get with, I'm sorry, I interrupted Chi though. We'll go back to that. Sorry, Chi. Finish. No. Mm-mm, no, no. I, I want she to finish. I want to know where she was going with this. Because I actually want to say that I hate all those tropes, but I love this fic. Well, yeah, I I my know. question is, like, do you think, like, I read those stories, like, I read those tropes, and then you sort of make, like, maybe it's just me, but as soon as I see, like, manipulative Dumbledore, I just sort of make a general assumption about the type of person that the author is. Like, oh, if they espouse manipulative Dumbledore, then obviously X, Y, and Z follows, you know? Like, if yeah. you know, yeah, care yeah, I, I don't know why, but I feel like this is an exception. I don't but know I think, why. I, mean, I think you can give a little bit of leeway because you can read the canon and find manipulative yeah, Dumbledore. Yeah, I think this is, like I was saying, I mean, I mean like, when you say manipulative Dumbledore, like I would say I hate that trope, but it, dare I say it, it doesn't bother me in this story. Dare you? <laughs> I dare. I do dare, Ryan. I dare. manipulative in this one. He's, he's just a jerk. Yeah, yes. he is kind of a jerk. I mean, my thing is all stereotypes have some degree of reality to them. So, like, Dumbledore is manipulative, Ron is stubborn, you know, Hermione is overbearing, Jenny in canon really isn't Molly Much of anything. Yeah, she she (laughs) really is whatever the hell you want from her that day. She's like Sergeant Voyager. Is Jamie going to be motherly or a bitch this week? Whatever you want. Red alert. Shields to maximum. Stand by all weapons. Snape at times can be snarky, but oftentimes he's a jackass. Like, if, for example... In Snape's first scene, if he was wearing, you know, a satin nightdress, I would think to myself, you know what, I'm going to make a leap about this author that this is going to be a certain type of story. But I think that you can kind of, I give them a little bit of leeway before I assume that. Well, I don't know, but I think in this story it was pretty much like a, c- a combination of tropes. And I was like, oh, but it's I also, see what you did there. It's, it's manipulative <laughs> Dumbledore, but it's also, you know, parenting figures for Harry. So of course they're going to butt heads there because Dumbledore has been calling the mm-hmm. shots in Harry's life for eight years. And now it's seriously, yeah, it's, this is like your typical manipulative Dumbledore. I mean, look at it this way. It's almost like the situation that Remus describes in one of these uh, chapters, where if Sirius gets a girlfriend, his life is over, because he's right now is that guy, and he's being replaced by someone else. So it's literally, it's every mother whose son gets married, her and her daughter-in-law now. There's nothing to do with my life whatsoever. But, you know, it's one of those (laughs) things where you look at it, and there's, there's conflict back and forth, so... Again, I have no personal knowledge of it. <laughs> well, I'm going to have quite a bit to say when we talk about the Remus Sirius stuff. I was yeah. thinking of after the end. Remember, in after the end, it was left open ended whether or not they were a couple because they yeah. walk, th- their bedroom was down the end of the hall, but you never knew. Like I thought that was great. Where he's like, "You can't bring women back to the house," and and, she, and Sirius is like, "Well, you can't bring men back to the house." And there's a moment <laughs> of silence. I remember all those book collectors who were hanging around. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Well, I will say this. I will say this. 
I have a lot to say about their relationship that will come up on the next podcast. And I think it is not what people would expect me to say about it. That's interesting. Because I know based on my history and based on on a lot of things that I've said, I think everybody has an opinion of what I would have to say about that particular relationship. I haven't read the chapters for next week yet, but I'm afraid they're going to have a butt sex baby and you're going to love it. No, no, no. There is no no butt sex baby. Ryan, how insane do you think I am? Yes. And and Ryan, if there was a butt sex baby, I would have stopped reading this. I would not have continued. But it's possible that you could one day read a fic with a butt sex baby and you could be like, you know what? No. I'm, I'm no, just going to have this no, chance no, on. No, happen, no. Ryan. That's right. not even the reality realm on certain things. I, I can suspend reality to say, hey, there's magic, and hey, there's there's dragons, and hey, there's all this other shit, but it is not physically possible. I know. I was just winding you up because I love it when you guys are It's magic. Magic. <laughs> I love okay, when you guys are like this. Can we go back to Snape for a minute? Yeah, yes. we can go back to Snape. Please, God, yes. <laughs> Why didn't, if Harry looks so much like James, why didn't Snape recognize him? Exactly. At age eight? Even though they keep saying how much he looks like Harry, they've got his mother's eyes right from from 11. We heard that. We've heard it even in this fic how much he looks like James. Well, he didn't have the glamour. No, there was no glamour yet. No. No glamour yet. Because he ran away. He snuck away. And that's how Snape found him. Yeah, well, because the scar, because he had the scar too. Yeah, because he presumably had the glasses and he had the scar and he had the unruly it's black hair. A dead giveaway. Could you? I, I, is it reasonable though that that's the last place you'd expect to find? Because presumably Snape is, yeah, because Snape is working with Dumbledore yeah, but think at this of point. Snape, not much gets past him. This seems like a pretty big thing to have just slipped past him. Is it common yeah. knowledge at that point that Harry is not with Dursleys? I don't know if it's common know. knowledge, but if Dumbledore know what, knows, then Snape knows. Common knowledge would even be like, do like just Joe on the street know where Harry Potter lives? Like, I, I even wonder what they. In canon, I, I, I even wonder yeah, that. Yeah, this, because... that, that's my. I mean, my, my question is about both. Like, did they say like? Well, there's oh. some evidence that it was available information because people found him and waved at him. Oh, you know, like, right, yes, of course. He describes meeting people at Super Dedalus Diggle, right? Yeah, he waved at him yeah. one kid, yeah. and, and, and Dedalus remembered that, and Harry recognized him for it later. But he wasn't, like, harassed in the street, and there weren't hags showing up the door to get his autograph. Perhaps maybe was, the wizard. But see, it was like, also. It was always out in public somewhere. It was never actually at Privet Drive. Yeah, but Harry, but he um, presumed, did he have aura protection? Um, Hagrid or? was surprised. Hagrid was surprised that Harry didn't know he was a wizard. Well, it's Hagrid, I mean. Hagrid's surprised that Star Trek got canceled. I mean, Hagrid has <laughs> but Well, I just think, I'm not sure. Because Harry went to school and he, he left the house, so Dumbledore wasn't worried about some, you know, yeah. errant former death either grabbing It was him, living know, at Privet Drive that gave him the protection. Not yeah. being, I mean, he didn't have to be, like, physically housebound right. for a year. So. Okay, so if Harry lives at Privet Drive and he takes a trip over to the Piggly Wiggly or whatever the hell they have in England, he's gonna, if, if a Death Eater <laughs> tries to grab him at the deli counter, the Death Eater will get zapped away because of the Privet Drive protection. I guess. Works for I me, dude. don't think that's the way it <laughs> works. Necessarily. I, I wonder whether it, whether it would work if Harry got, like, you know, hit by a bus or, like, kidnapped by a kidnapper. <laughs> the bus, like, <laughs> breaks up. <laughs> <laughs> or if he, like, stuck a fork in a socket or something. <laughs> <laughs> you really like... Oh my god, P.S. just exploded. Did you hear that? <laughs> what? Oh, that was cute. You just, like... <laughs> Oh, God. Oh, she can do it on command. I like that. But, what? Um, okay, here's, here's the question I have. It's just funny. Here's the question I have. Dangerverse, okay? In the Dangerverse, you have Harry be kidnapped by Remus Lupin. 
and, yeah. the, and they have a family staff meeting, and they say, all right, we're kidnapping <laughs> Harry Potter. He's big. People know him. We must we must change our lives accordingly. So they drive six miles down the road, and they buy a house. <laughs> <laughs> and they wear right, wigs. And they wear wigs. And Remus works at Stop and Shop. He's a beggar. And I forget what the hell Danger did with her life. And 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 they lived in the... And they, I think she worked at a different Stop and Shop. Bookstore. Bookstore. Book, okay, we're going to go right. with Renna, because she's saying bookstore in a menacing way. So we're going to go with bookstore. Somebody always works at a bookstore. And some always works at the bookstore. Yeah. And it's so, like a so, legal requirement for Harry Potter fiction. So here's the thing. Harry so in this him. one, picture the set. You remember I was talking in in the Psychic Serpent about how they have the town hall set and the opera house set. They use the same set. It's like the Mayberry set. It was on Star Trek. <laughs> and that so they have the Privet Drive set, and you have Petunia over here in the corner, and then across the street, you know, you have you have Arabella Fig, and then next to Arabella Fig, you have Sirius Black. They kidnap Harry, and they run across the street, and they go in the house, and they move in. No, they don't again. actually for they a week and a half for go- like a while. They have eventually go to they go to they go to um remus's but like but they still go to the bookstore and they're at the bookstore all the time the bookstore is uh, is underneath of the apartment though isn't the yes. apartment over the yeah but it's near private drive it's, it's it's in surrey but, it's but still Tunia, in the exact same town but Tunia yeah. and vernon and stuff dumbledore knows what happens like right off the bat and arthur weasley knows and vernon and petunia sure as hell aren't looking for him so that's what the difference is i think in these two stories is that in the danger verse yeah. They didn't want anybody to know because Sirius Black was also a wanted man and, you know, you they were going to go to prison. Would, and- do you think Vernon would behave that way in canon, though? Because there are points in the canon where they seem to enjoy keeping Harry to torture him more so than... See, okay, he- and I have always been of the opinion that the life that Harry had under the Dursleys wasn't necessarily physically abusive, but very neglectful. Me and too. No, we, but even th- there's, well, but, but what I'm saying is, Harry says he learned a long time ago to stay out of Vernon's arm span. Well, but I don't think that Vernon would go out of his way. I think he may have, like, toughed him or Harry. something, but yeah. he probably didn't, I don't like, beat him with sticks as they I think portrayed. he was just neglectful. I think that was the whole point was that the Dursleys were just very neglectful of Harry. But and I that's the way I've always read it. And so I, I would going on that, going on that which is how I read it, and I know people read it differently, but I just always read it was very neglectful. And going on that, I don't think they would have cared enough to put up a fight. I almost wonder if it would have been different, like in here and in I, for, I haven't, I forget what happened in Dangerverse, but in here it's like I wonder what would happen if like they broke into the house in the dead of night and like and kidnapped Harry and it was just like like they woke up and found Harry was gone. I wonder if that would be handled differently than when they just kind of storm in and take him. You know who I picture for when I, when I think of Vernon? I don't th- I don't think of Richard Griffith. When I th- when I picture Vernon, I actually picture Bill O'Reilly. <laughs> 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 Like seriously, like he, the no he, spin zone. Bill O'Reilly <laughs> is like a classic bully, and if he senses blood in the water, he's gonna go after you. But if he's on Comedy Central, he's gonna be charming and he's gonna be joking because he's not gonna I take don't on think somebody. He goes over very well. Vernon is charming at all. No, but the thing with Vernon, with Bill O'Reilly, it's all about power over the situation. If you have the ability to take down your opponent, you take him down. If you're at a disadvantage, <laughs> I kind of picture, a- for, and it's appropriate for our podcast. 
podcast. Thank you. You know, <laughs> I mean, but that's the thing. So I'm picturing with Vernon, even in the canon, it wasn't about you know just uh, neglecting Harry. If he neglected Harry, he wouldn't care at all about what Harry is doing. He wanted power over Harry, and he wanted to make Harry miserable Coolidge. because Vernon's a bully. <laughs> so I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious if he would just let Harry go away. I, I don't think. I, I, I disagree with her. I do think. I don't think it was the abuse that we read in these. It, it was more than just neglect that went on there. But I don't think he'd care if Harry were gone. I think that would be just one less trouble. If he was somehow getting monetary compensation for keeping Harry, then yeah, I could see him putting up a big fight. But, but That's why I say I wonder if I, it would be different if like if Remus and Sirius storm in and take Harry and he knows where he's gone or if like Harry just suddenly vanished. Well, I think it would depend on how much Vernon knows about Dumbledore and you what the consequences would be. I think, I think, I think it would be Petunia. Sort of, it would yeah. be Petunia, not Vernon. Petunia. Yeah. Yeah. And it wouldn't be because Petunia gives two shits about him. It's because Petunia is afraid of Dumbledore. Or Petunia. Right. Exactly. It's you, remember my last Petunia. It's I want, he sent her a howler. This is magical people telling Vernon Dursley what to do, though. That's the, I mean, like that's there's something I said because two wizards came in and took him. He probably thinks, okay, he's with the wizards now. Whatever. I'm saying, if Harry vanished in the middle of the night and he could have been kidnapped by wizards yeah. or he could have been kidnapped by drug runners, I think he would probably it or, would be a different direction. I think he would have put up even if he's screaming, "You don't tell that boy what to do in my house." Like I think he would have put up even more of a fight. At the when they when they came to took it, it was just very. They came, they took him, and, and they they minced words and they left, and and that was it. And he even Harry saw Petunia at the grocery store and hid behind Padfoot, who was growling at her, and, and and like that. It just seemed interesting to me, not like good or bad, but it seemed interesting to me that they were still in the very general area of. Uh, for private drive, they were even considering, you know, should Harry go back to the same school? I just thought that was an interesting choice that they didn't. Yeah, I mean, I don't see, I think that's probably a better choice, like, developmentally. Like, you're going to take a kid away from his family, and you don't really want to, like, move him no, that was surpri- miles away and transplant him. Well, I was surprised by it, and I, I like it. I was just, I didn't think um, the author was going to go that way. He, they keep the bookstore open. Wasn't the bookstore a front the whole time to keep an eye on Harry? <laughs> Well, they still yeah, need a friend to have a, it wasn't, a life. Right? And also, I don't think it wasn't so much. I mean, they did enjoy it. It's not like, yeah. you know. No, I like that. It's like, but what I always could, wondered yeah. was like, they later on, they put the glamour on Harry, right? Why couldn't they just, like, Remus and Sirius have the glamours and, and then you didn't know who they were? And then they could have just gone off and lived on their own somewhere else. Because the plot says so. We don't, we don't <laughs> care. It's in the script. I, will, I, I can excuse any. I'm very good at coming up with excuses. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was, I, it, I did enjoy that though because I'm picturing the fact that like you know Harry. Look, this is what I'm picturing. Harry, you know, comes to the Dursleys, and, and three days pass, and all of a sudden, I'm picturing like you know, like the newspaper stand being slowly moved down the street across from their house, and you see two little legs moving it from behind, and they like set up shop directly in front of the Dursleys' house, and like you know, they're, they've got overalls on, and, and like this is like the cover. We will do this thing in the background and we will watch Harry for seven years just to make sure he's all right. And as soon as they get him and they, they have him, he will be fine forever. They still come to work next Monday because it's inventory day. I love the fact that the bookstore wasn't just a front and that it was actually something they enjoyed because they're friends with all the other shop owners and they play poker once a week or whatever. I, I just enjoyed that bit. I, I liked that part of the story too. thought that was cool. Now here's my question. Eight years old and you're reading The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Does that work? Yeah. yeah. I read The Lion, the Witch, and Wardrobe at seven. I'm just double-checking I, because... I had a little trouble with Harry with the books, though. I mean, there was... Harry... The, the books were the one thing he was always allowed. They even talk in canon that, that Dudley... Um, 
But would he be allowed books about magic? He wouldn't yeah, probably sure. not about magic, but it was he was always allowed books. But just Harry, he never showed any interest in them. Yeah, Harry's not much of a reader. Generally. No, he's really not. Yeah, I, think so. I think I think what made sense about this to me was that it wasn't that it was something he had available to him. It was that something that somebody gave him, For and him. people didn't you know, really give like him anything. This isn't like you're allowed to read Dudley's books that you know Dudley yeah, doesn't want. This was we're giving him. this to you specifically, and that you know anytime you have you know you give a kid something they're gonna you know if it's something special if it's something significant they might pay a little bit more attention to it because it's supposed to be for them and not just something they could do whatever they want you know what i'm saying plus show of hands who can picture dudley reading c.s lewis (laughs) (laughs) harry dudley never opened any of the books that's why harry got them because dudley never cared about them harry is like the boy genius and the only books he has (laughs) access to are the books his stupid cousin it's like way below his reading level he's just it's like he's just bored Uh, well you know C.S. Lewis is a little heavy for me sometimes, so... <laughs> well, I was oh, amused yeah. by he, he read The Magician's... Well, here's the thing I thought was interesting. He re- he read The Magician's Nephew and loved it. And, he read and the then he didn't like The, the Lion, Witch, the Wardrobe. I, I thought that to be off his cover. I'm like, who the hell doesn't like Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe but loves The Magician's <laughs> Nephew? Like, come I on. Think that, I didn't I like the, either of them. I think the point is that The Magician's Nephew, though, the allegory is kind of not bad, but The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, the allegory is pretty obvious. And by the time you get to the seventh one, what's the one, seventh one? It's about the Donald and the gorilla. Yeah. I don't remember. That one, that one is god awful hard to read. Like, I, yes. I tried to read it last year again, and I was just like, Oh, this I theology very, is not only wrong. I, I, I fell off the wagon on the third one. I got through the first two, and then the I found it very creative that they got C.S. Lewis's you know stories into the into the fic in that manner. I did like the, the the comparison that they're giving Harry a book about people in the regular world who are able to find out this other world exists just around the corner, and it's incredibly different <laughs> than anything. It was like, sort I, of it was very sort of meta, wasn't it? Like yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I, I love that. Well, the, the, the author's the, the, sort of going. Oh look! I can quote quote it. the fact that these are similar stories. Like and I, I like, and all I could picture was Harry. I want you to listen to me very carefully. Remember the bit about the vanishing cabinet. If you walk <laughs> in and you disappear, <laughs> write it down. Leave yourself a note. <laughs> and remember to be nice to any person that might be half human and half animal, like Mr. Tumnus, centaurs throwing that out there yeah i just that was my thing i'm like oh god it's the what is the Her- name yes yeah what is the name of the centaur that's really important i need to know Thank you. oh god i say tomato and you say tomato <laughs> <laughs> all right so i i know forenzy is right but i think it sounds stupid so i say <laughs> melinda leo bitch slaps ps right here on perfect <laughs> weekly we got eight episodes left we're gearing up to finale Okay, now Sirius is a blood relative so, of Harry. Yes. They're all related. This is um, ancestors. Cesspool. Are the peons not taking over? They are taking or, over. Because you keep talking like, oh, it's going away forever, and there will never be anything called Potterfic Weekly ever again. Okay. But it's not. It's, it's like not. Here's the deal. This is the way I'm saying it. Puffwa is officially seventh heaven. Okay. We've, we've <laughs> gone on so damn long. We're having our final episode. We're gonna get big ratings. You know, we're gonna play it during sweeps. Then we come back on the CW. <laughs> We're going to come back three months later and start the whole damn thing all over again. And they're going to be like, I thought the show ended. Oh, they got picked up another year. Well, what are they going to talk about now? And then they'll- Let's just, okay, except that when Seventh Heaven did that, it ended in like everybody was having twins. I don't think I want that. How <laughs> do like, you know that Puff would jump the shark when they start marrying off the hosts and I'm the only guy who's left? That's just the bad part. 
You are married off, Ryan. I You're am married off. Out. You are out of the running. I yes, I called, I called dibs on you. Okay. okay. <laughs> Come to Massachusetts. <laughs> yeah, it's legal there. <laughs> Who gets Mike? Oh, dear God, no. Silence on the line. Cricket. The one plus about the Mike incident was I, I enjoyed telling people the story. Yes, you did. You told me the story. Because I'm I'm like, we had a falling out. What happened? He found me traitorous. You blackmailed him. I I blackmailed him. What did you do? I took away his Monopoly money. And everyone's (laughs) looking for the the metaphor. I'm like, no, really. I actually took away his Monopoly money. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, yeah. So is he just angry? No, he's pretending I don't exist. Oh, man. I don't want to know what you said about me now. (laughs) Gee, you bitch. I thought I had actually missed the marriage of two, like, you know, currently prominent Dwayneans. I completely forgot about that. Leo and Melinda met on Pavlova. What do you want? <laughs> that would be actually kind of... Ugh. Leo continues wow. to be the funnest guy I've ever met. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Leo? He's now out with his buddies planning the... Our church has an annual golf fundraiser. Mm-hmm. And it's oh. in July, but they're they're planning it now. They, they they say they're planning it now. They're really just down at the local pub. They <laughs> 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 think I don't know that, but they the thing I love about Melinda and Leo, I've said this before. When you have a wedding, you have you invite you know family. You, you invite all the people that you your your acquaintances with, and then your very good friends and your family and everything. Every wedding you've ever gone to, you know the acquaintances leave after the first hour of the reception. The, the good and close friends are drifting off on the second and third hour. And usually by the end, you're left with, you know, strong blood relatives. The, everyone in this room could give you a kidney the moment's notice and it would, wouldn't be rejected. The thing I loved is Melinda and Leo closed down the shop. They were there longer than my... the last They leave. were there longer than my mother was there. I loved that. I thought it was hysterical. They actually outlived my mother. Outlived. Oh, I forgot about that. See, like, my family, we stay until the cows come home or until the alcohol is all gone. Like, when my (laughs) aunt and uncle married. like us, three. Huh? It sounds like you. <laughs> like us. When, we, when my aunt got married, it was like 2 o'clock in the morning, and we had to leave the building here, and you got mad at us, okay? Melinda, so, when you left, was Jen still there? Yes. Was she but sitting on the bench outside waiting for a ride? Sitting on the bench, I think. I went over and sat with her for a minute, and she said she was waiting for your mother, so I went. I didn't realize she'd been ditched. I, uh, and I, <laughs> I left her Jen sitting there. Jen totally got ditched, and my wedding was terrible. But I thought that was... Yeah, so you actually... You stayed longer than my than my family, who I claim to have loved up until that moment that I left my <laughs> Wedding, to go off and find a better part. Melinda, love you, dear. That was great. Thank you. So that was great. I, I was so pissed at my mother for that. I'm like, I gave you one job. Don't lose McVeigh. That's the only job you have. <laughs> Turn out the main lights. Jen's on the bench outside. You guys sound like you had a good time, though. So that's it was good. a blast. It was an absolute blast. All right. Good. So that so apparently the Wizarding World is an incestuous cesspool because Remus is related to Harry, so he can extend the blood protection. He's related to Lily. No, he's related through James, which I could buy because they we've already been told that the blood, you know, the Wizarding, uh, with the Weasleys are related to Sirius. But don't we? But know that Sirius is through Lily because Lily died protecting Harry, so it doesn't work. No, it doesn't work. Ramus yeah. is Ramus is related to Lily. He's Lily's no, second cousin. No, he's related to James in the story. Really? Yeah, I wrote a note well, about yeah, that. Like, wait a minute. Wait, wait, Remus distant bloodkin, but to James, not Lily. It doesn't work that way. Did we not know that yeah. then? It always seemed to me it had to be Lily. It had to be a blood relative at yeah. the time. And they didn't say anything about because they didn't have any, he didn't have any blood relative. I'm sorry about the thundering herd, if y'all can hear that. <laughs> this fic, by the way, since you just asked in 
it was written between Order and Amber Prince. So we knew the Wizarding Yeah, see, we knew it had to be Lily by then. Because I was going to say, if you needed it to be a relative of James, didn't we figure out that the Blacks and the Pothers were related somewhere in the family? We have the freaking family Well, there's the whole Wizarding world is so freaking incestuous. Lily's Muggle-born. But there's nobody related to Lily. That's why it doesn't work. I mean, the one one fic that actually did it well, I thought, was, uh, believe it or not, it was a year like none other, because uh, Petunia dies, but they can extend the blood protection through Deadly. Yeah, I yeah. I remember that. Because they're still blood relatives, which... Right. Through Lily. Right, mm-hmm. which I never had considered that, because he's the only other one left, and he has no purpose in the plot. So I figured, hey, <laughs> he can be useful, dude. So I did enjoy that. Well, I actually... I had questions didn't enjoy about that. that. Did, but the yeah, point is... Um, <laughs> okay, and I just have to say that the images of Padfoot in this story are so adorable. Like, whenever I see a newfie, I always think of Padfoot. Oh, yes. Like, I loved Harry and Frog. I love the frog, too. Because I know it is, and I love the fact, and it's the same frog the entire time. He doesn't get a new one. It's the same frog. Where you can imagine, you know, you have... The the one thing that struck me was I was really attached to the the book plot line. Because when you think about, you know, Harry has no other world to escape to, and he's locked in that room, and he's desperately afraid that he's going to lose this book and this outlet, you know, to the Dursleys, and he stays up all night reading it. And I was waiting for him to, like, start falling asleep at school and be like that kid. Um, But he didn't. And he had this one stuff animal that he probably pilfered from from these old toys from when he was five or whatever and that thing just you can picture him like snuggling up with that thing at night it's probably his only friend for years so i thought that thing meant a lot and the one moment that got me was when uh when remus has the transformation and he's back and he's in his bed and he's all cut up and and he's he's recovering harry looks at sirius and says does he need frog I know. Yeah, I, I love like, that Remus Aww. took it too. I think that was really important showing Remus that he, he actually took because it, it was a big deal for Harry to give it to him, and I was I was right. thrilled that he took it. It was cute. that was I thought that was that, that was really great. And I do love the fact that when you picture eight year old brains, and I sent out that thing on the forum a couple of weeks ago. Eight little kids are funny, and it's the thing where the little boy was so happy to be with his mother at that moment he looked up at his mother and said mommy when you die i want to bury you outside my bedroom window like it's just like the way little kids brains works you know i just i I love the part where harry's sitting there he's trying to figure this whole thing out he's like now is pad for the wizard well a little bit you know you know then he you know i'm sorry what do you say is so padfoot so sirius is really a dog well, no, kind of the other way around a little bit. Now, is, is Sirius a werewolf? And, like, Remus chokes on, like, a chicken I don't even think he was eating a chicken. Like, where did the chicken sandwich come from? He starts choking on the thing, and Sirius is, like, giving him the Heimlich. There's always a chicken sandwich when somebody needs to choke. Exactly. I'm like, what? when was he eating? I don't even remember that plot point. But I thought that was a, that was a great little moment there, too. And, and Harry's just so on top of things, which, for most of these fics that we read, usually the adults are other morons, and the kids are geniuses. Show. This is a good introduction to the story. I'm interested to see, obviously, where it goes. I've read a little bit beyond, but not too much, and we're getting into the plot, plot points with Snape and everything at this point now. I mean, I think it was, compared to some of the other stories we've read, he stays with the Dursleys a lot longer. And this is kind of the story that I think we all wished happened in canon. Well, everyone except Melinda. But, you know, because <laughs> everyone you bitches... wish things for the character, but not necessarily... Yeah, like, because what the hell is Remus doing this whole time? You want Remus to go... Uh, yeah, I think Rena would agree with me, too. I really do. Yeah, I agree. You well, agree that, I, you, that Melinda wants you to agree with That this isn't the way you would have wanted it to go. <laughs> right. yeah. No, but, no, it, but if it were a real... Not from a dramatic sense, but if this were a real world, you would want... If, I mean, if you James want and Lily died... 
well, I mean, you want people to be. If happy. it wasn't fiction, yes. If it wasn't, yes, fiction, you would want Remus like to be this. like, I must watch over Harry from afar just to make sure he's okay. You don't want him to like wherever go wherever the hell he goes. Researching vampires. I mean, that's and- why I like this story. I mean, it's like I mean, I can get past like being hung up on like, oh, what's good fiction, you know? Yeah, you wanted Remus to be proactive, and obviously yeah. Sirius was in prison. But with Sirius there, that gives Remus that oomph, and with Remus there, that gives Sirius that you know little sense of oh, where man. the hell am I, and where the hell are we driving, and do it. Was I that... do you really think that their characters, even in canon, really sort of need each other? When Sirius dies at the end of um, Order of the Phoenix, Remus sort of clumsily kind of falls through life, and even. Uh, he's, a, he's a much weaker character than yeah, fanfic never portrays him. Canon yeah. Remus really is he or turned in. Uh, I had much higher hopes for him at the beginning, but even now looking back, he, he he's a very from weak the very beginning character. he was yeah. a very weak character. He was yeah. he relied he his weakness is one that a lot of us share, which I think a lot of us that's why a lot of us identify with him is that need for acceptance that sort of drives mm-hmm. him to do yeah. all of the things that he does. If he doesn't have theory there to accept him unconditionally, mm. you know. Um, then he does things like abandon his wife, and um, then Harry kicks the sense back into him, thank God. But there was definitely a point at which I threw the book across the room. <laughs> and yes, yeah, nice. I, was, I oh, was so mad. God, Brian, you're going to be a Dalek. Am I? Oh, no, I just heard that. The one fried, the one sizzle. I, yeah, I heard it, too. I think it was from Cheese End, so I think we're okay. But, yeah, I mean, no, that... So it wasn't oh, me. Oh, wasn't you? Oh, so, it was someone. I think it was probably me. Oh, God. <laughs> I forgot about you. Rina, I forgot that Rina sizzles, too. I forgot about that. It's kind of like when you watch the, the Star Wars prequels, and I'm hoping that's a good analogy because I've seen each of them once, and I was checking my email during the entire thing. But it's like one of those things where you can see how this could totally end up very well, and you could see how everything could work out just fine. But, oh, whoops, everything is totally screwed, and we're in for 30 years of hell until we can somehow come back and fix this whole damn thing. So it's... Right. Be- you know, if Sirius and Remus had each other, and if there was a bookstore available in town, and if 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 if, if everything would have worked out fine, but it didn't, so Harry <laughs> grew up in the broom closet. So I mean, this is kind of like the road not traveled, which is something. That's worth part of what fan fiction is for. It's, it's why yeah. we're here. This is what we, this... I mean, that's always been my philosophy. I mean, like, I mean, I always say like I have a wide taste. That's not. Really true at all, but um, you have a very wide taste, BS. No, she really doesn't. I she don't would like you to think that she does, but she absolutely does. I not. am a lying liar. <laughs> she is. <laughs> when she's drunk, it all comes up. You guys just think you know BS. <laughs> she's like, I throw this Horace Slughorn thing out there, so they think I'm all diverse and you know, PC. Well, no, see, wide taste does not mean I like. I guess you could say like I don't. I mean, like I don't know how to put it. So I'll just let Rinna sizzle. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you sound better. Here's what I'll say. I'll say, like, my taste is, like, all over the map, but it's very narrow in being all over the map. Follow that? that? How's that, G? Actually, I think that's very true. You like you like a variety of different things, but you like very specific yes. things about the variety of things that you like. It makes yes. sense. You must be held to shop for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I want. I love comforters, but I need to have a purple one with blood on it. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's blood. like it's like that. Like this How is me. Become something like blood. I have no idea, but it's like so. I'm at Macy's with my little catalog, you know. 
Yeah, so. Actually, actually, I'm pretty sure when I shop for PS, I just go to Amazon.com and I search Jack Harkness. Boom. That's I can find like ten different things to get for her. Because I want to encourage that I'm on edition. episode three. I'm on episode three. I'm actually watching all of Doctor Who, so I'm on the 1964 season right now with the first I don't know why you're wasting your time in there. I have yeah. a Netflix Who's subscription. Not- because there's no Jack in it. But can yeah. I just tell you, he is an old man with plaid pants. P.S. Does this ring a bell at all? I don't have plaid pants, and I'm not I an meant Horus. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, you have to understand, a few, <laughs> a few episodes ago, P.S. was actually gifted with man pants, and she's asking me what side I buttoned mine on, and I thought it was no. a very personal question. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to... Okay, but right. no, so, we obviously are going to say something. No, mm-mm. I was going to make a very improper um, observation, but I'll just I'll stop. Oh, somebody replied to my entry. So what? She's moved the laptop off the floor, folks. But she, is back. <laughs> she lasted no, four I, I minutes. No, I forget. I forget like how we got on this point. But my my taste is. is I mean, I don't because we're talking about why you would like the story. I think I don't. No, know. I think we're talking about what I want out of fan fiction because oh, Melinda right. and Rena seem to want you know the canon. In fan fiction, yeah. <laughs> but like I mean, that's definitely what I want. Like you I can what? take that. Melinda, what? I said not theme too. That's definitely what I want. <laughs> exactly. I mean, yeah. I mean, I like that too. I mean, like, see, this is what I'm saying. I like everything. I mean, I, I like that too. But I also like stuff like this because I like Rima Serious. and I will this say is this that story I that has Rima Serious in it. I will say that I went through a period in my life where this is not the kind of story I would have liked. Like when I was hardcore into Harry Potter, like gung-ho and was writing tested in fire and all those other dumbass stories that i need to take down um <clears throat> like i was very much into to making sure that i, I was emulating jk rowling because that's kind of the phase of writing that i was in and there's nothing wrong rolling? with that that's very good i say it wrong okay it's just I, i'm from frenzy a, the <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when i was hardcore into harry potter you know written by no, jk say, rowling you know what you say melinder so get over it okay <laughs> Guess who's okay. dated my wedding longer than anybody else? Because <laughs> <laughs> I eat your damn heart out. <laughs> no, I'm just saying there was definitely a point in my life where I was looking for more canon in fan fiction, and now I find that's not the case at all. Remus like, Sirius is what made me want to read a Harry Potter fan fiction. I read the books, and I was like, Remus and Sirius are obviously together. So you were fiction. I'm just amused by how much time we're taking focusing on Remus's sex life lately, because I love the part from Psychic Serpent where it's like, Harry, I'm bisexual. Now let's spend a few paragraphs talking about what that means. And Harry's like, <laughs> I feel awkward. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't Harry in that story bisexual, or am I just making it more awful in my head than it really you're making? No, no, you're, you're misremembering. Okay. It's very possible. It's very Quick, possible. I just would like to do one thing before we get to our final thoughts. She... Quick test. Who was the bad guy? Oh, don't test this is me. How, this is how I test to see if she did the breathing, because then I'm like, she... Voldemort! Uh, Voldemort! Voldemort! Voldemort's the bad guy, in general. Who no. is the mole? I know, I know. I don't remember it. Now, Chi, yes. I've, I've given you a year and a half, okay? Okay. Okay. In Melinda's fic, Curse of the Damned, who <laughs> is the bad guy? Who is the bad guy in Curse of the Damned? No, I don't mean in general. Oh, I mean who <laughs> was the, the who was the traitor in Curse of the Damned by Melinda Leo, which you admitted earlier in this podcast to have read several times recently. It's- <laughs> 
It's Luna Lovegood. Oh! Hallelujah! <laughs> well done. Why? Why? What? Why are you? Why is that so funny? I don't remember this. I guess. Oh, she really doesn't listen to the podcast. <laughs> I wow. have read the story several times. It's just that I have also read other stories between now and then, and I just don't hold on to information very well. Fair enough. Although the point that evening was to read it before the podcast, but the, <laughs> don't let that disturb you. There's, but there's the, some things that Ryan never lets. Like this is this is this is Ryan it's and her first Kate's week. Nursing home. It's our first week back. You remember the time? I do that to Danielle all the time. She thinks it's it's cute and endearing. Yesterday at work, yeah. my boss yeah. walked up. To, my boss walked up to me and he's like, "Ryan, I need you to open up this computer system." And then someone said something to him, so he turned around. I use this computer system every day. I could not, for the life of me, think of what it was. <laughs> this would be like, "Go on uh, Pofo Exchange," and I'd sit there. Which one is Pofo Exchange? <laughs> and I'm sitting here while he's distracted for a few moments, racking my brain. He uh-huh. walks over. He's like, okay, can you open it up? Which one is that again? Because I've only worked there for nine years. He's like, and he reminds me, right, that one. So I open it up. And he's like, now look for this guy's thing. So I pull up, the list comes up on the screen. Nope, it's not there. He's like, it's right there. I'm like, so it is. So I open the thing up and I do the thing. So then we, we, we're leaving work at the end of the day. And I walk out before he does. I get to the parking lot. And I walk over to where my car is. And that's not my car. I don't drive in lots of <laughs> So then he walks out walking in his car. Hey, Ryan. Hey, how you doing? Not bad. I'm wandering around. He's like, you have no idea where your car is. I'm like, I swear to God, dude, I did not have a stroke this morning. I'm just having one. So I felt like a total ass. I'll tell you. And that was fr- the day, Ryan, I was having like two weeks ago. And I was trying to explain it to you. And you were like trying to have me committed. You got stuck in a door. <laughs> You gotta admit, honey, that was pretty funny. I just told him, I just told him I felt a little off. Like, just today was one of those days. You were like Robert Wright stuck in the doggy door. It was... He was, like, asking me if I was okay. (laughs) I was very concerned. All right. So we are now at the end of the first six chapters of Stealing Harry. Any more final thoughts? I'm I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes. I'm hopeful for it. Apparently, we're not reading the sequel. But so far, the fact that Harry has frog interests me enough. Now, let me ask you this. Melinda, we'll go with you because you have three sons. Does he seem like he's eight years old? Yeah. Okay, good, because I had no idea, because I can't remember. definitely did. There's later on that I have some issues with the idea of it being an eight-year-old, but at the beginning, I love the way he just casually, like, um, Sirius is a dog. Okay. Remus is a werewolf. Okay. You know, and he just kind of got that very much struck. There were a couple of, there were a couple, I I wish I had the note in front of me, there were a couple of lines of dialogue where it's like Harry looking up at at Remus and, you know, the the, the scars etched onto his face, and so I'm like, this doesn't seem like that's the narrative of an eight-year-old for some reason. He'd be like, ooh, pretty. Like, it's just like, he, he seemed like the narrative was a little bit off but other than that i really i really enjoyed it and i i liked the change in the plot and i'm curious to see where it goes next i read this story and i thought i was gonna hate it and i I really really did but i didn't and i will have more to say on it next week but um yeah that's like getting sean hannity to say i love democrats that was pretty (laughs) strong (laughs) praise <laughs> I, did, I got really sucked in at the beginning of the story. I, I was like, oh, I, wait a minute. I like this one. So it was definitely, you just asked if, if this was, I, I just noticed in my notes here, the one thing that I did comment on was that Harry seems to draw a lot for a boy. I remember 
when my kids were younger, um, I have a friend who had girls and they would sit there and color and they would do that for hours on end. And if I could get my kids to hold the crayon and sit there for two seconds and draw an X, I was like, hey, yeah, you know, it took them a little while. But right. uh, I would like to share a story. I, I met Melinda and I met um, Death Roll at the Harry Potter exhibition in Boston. And we had literally an hour before Death Roll had to leave to, to, for his train. And it was a Saturday night at like seven o'clock at night. And like, where the hell are you going to get your you're going to be in line outside the restaurant for an hour. We're never going to eat. And we ended up finding a restaurant and they took us right away and they could feed us right away. It was perfect. So the, the waitress is coming over and she's setting up our table. And Melinda was there with two of her three sons. One of her sons uh, went home with a friend. And so it's Melinda and it's her husband, Leo, and it's her two kids. You know, So it's the, the three boys and Melinda. And the waitress came over and she's like, would you guys like something to color with? So she sets her two sons up with you know the little with the placemat and the, and the box of crayons. And Leo looks up, excuse me, may I? I have one <laughs> and Leo starts coloring. He's like, always get one. Any chance you bring the kids always. Clap. He does to even to the, to the point that, that no matter where, if we go to a restaurant, they'll say, okay. And, and coloring for three and my youngest will pop up. No dad likes one too. <laughs> he always gets things to color. I just thought that was hysterical, but that was your comment. Harry draws too much. I'm like, I'm picturing Harry with Leo's head, like George Lopez show. <laughs> I really, I've always loved this story. Um, because I just have, I mean, it, it just sucked me in and I just couldn't stop reading it and I haven't stopped reading it. It's one of those fics that I go back to if I need to read something, you know, familiar. If I, it's my comfort reading and I just, I love it to bits. I mean, I knew when I picked it that people might not be to their taste, but I love it and screw them. Yeah. Yeah, This is a story I've really enjoyed, and I've always really enjoyed it. I think Jen sent me the link in the beginning. I'm pretty sure it might have been before um, before she, she exposed me to some of the truly weird stuff that she likes to read. This is one story that she sent me. Um, I don't. It's just you know, and it's not just this story. It's all of <clears throat> Sam's stories, writing in general. I really enjoy. It's got a way with sucking you in and then sort of keeping you there um even if you really wish that you weren't still sucked in like with land with lacoons children lacoons children lacoons, children, whatever the hell the sequel is called and, like I, I that was another story that i couldn't put down even though i was going i can't stand this you know um so that's something to be said for the, the writing i think it's something to be said for your taste after the story you opened the podcast with put it down <laughs> no well i didn't even pick it up i I mean, I think this will just illustrate, I don't know what this illustrates, whether it illustrates something about me or whether it illustrates something about the story that I just never even had the inclination to try the sequel. Like, I just sort it of... Ended, well, it's kind of like Caprica, which we're getting into now. I think it's the sequel to Battlestar Galactica. A lot of people won't pick it up. It's a good show. I mean, I don't think it will last because the ratings aren't great, but it's a good show. It's a good prequel. It sets things up. But a lot of people were like, nope, the story was great the way it ended, and I don't need to know anymore. And that's that. Well, it's a prequel, so that's different. I mean, this is not like... Yeah, true. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say what I was going to say, but insert joke about what a sequel would look like. True. It's sick that I got that with the amount of coffee I've had tonight, but I actually got what P.S. <laughs> is talking about right there. So, uh, yeah, so we'll jump back into this next week. I mean, I guess the final point I'll make is that sometimes people need to get certain things out of fan fiction. Like, I know, like, you just brought up Jen. She, sometimes Jen was having awful, awful, awful days and needed to read happy fan fiction. And usually what happened with Jen was she got, like, a bad medical diagnosis. So she picked up a fic to find something healing, and she'd read the one about where Harry gets cancer. So she wasn't too good at picking the correct fic for the correct mood. But sometimes people are in an awful place, and they need to read a story about how Harry was rescued from an awful place. Yeah, I like how... 
happy stories. I like happy stories. I'm sorry. All I can picture right now is 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 Harry's kneecaps getting broken in the power of emotion. Well, I don't. A wonderful like fic Harry by Melinda Lewis. Kneecap breaking. I mean, I, I, here's no. I, I prefer more drama in story. They make me feel better. I like happy stories. I mean, I get sick of angst, angst, angst all the time. I get sick of like doom and gloom. And I like happy stories. The stories with the, yeah, the stories with the most legs are the stories like, you know, power of emotion. The stories that have, you know, romantic bits and have, you know, sad bits and have normal everyday stuff. It, it, cause that's life. Life is a spectrum of different stuff happening. Sometimes people will write really one note stuff. And if you're in that mood where that's the thing you desperately need, that story is going to appeal to you, but it's not going to be realistic enough to sustain over time. So I, I mean, I think that's one of the things here too. Sometimes people just need a story where everything just worked out okay. Definitely. Definitely. Sometimes you need to write those stories, too. She just changed her icon, and all of a sudden, like, what I perceived as she, because that's who's talking, changed. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That was really deep. Let's leave it there. Good night, everybody. Good night. That's how you end the podcast. So hold on to the wonder that those books brought to our Keep each other safe. Keep faith. Good night. And I'd be like, if suddenly we were all meeting in a restaurant and she went to the bathroom and came back in a different outfit. That's um, happened, though. Yes. <laughs> Melinda, I feel like every time I talk to you, I bring up the word kneecap. Hi, this is Sue at Duxfoot, and I just wanted to comment on your discussion about why Lucius went after Peter. I think that he went after Peter because he thought Peter betrayed Voldemort. My guess is he knew Peter was the one who gave Voldemort the information about where James and Lily were. And when Voldemort disappeared afterwards, he thought that Peter had betrayed him and that's why he went after him and that's why he tried to kill him so i just wanted to throw in my two cents night yeah um i should warn you now i've been coughing like crazy so if i started going on mute that's why okay no worries (laughs) at least you can talk kelly can't do that she missed an entire week because she has no voice yeah oh boy I told her she well, was perfectly I'm, welcome to come on and just be silent and type things, and we'd read out whatever she said <laughs> or whatever, but uh, she didn't go for it. Well, you know, Kelly, she'd have a hard time not saying something, and then she sounds like this, and it's really yeah. bad. I even looked up various text-to-speech people in case we wanted to put them through that way, just because that'd be fun. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, she would sound like a robot. There you no, go. they're not too bad. So, Trisha, no power. Mm. I'm impressed. Oh, that was a pain in the butt. It got to 48 degrees in my apartment. I looked at my son, looked at the cat, and I go, okay, we're leaving. <laughs> did you take her with you? Yeah, I did take her with me. Well, she good. don't like dogs. <laughs> I bet not. <laughs> I never heard of this cat. I mean, she's not a real talkative cat, but man, she can hiss. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, they're good at that. I went to pet her, and she usually is pretty good about everything. All of a sudden, she just reared up and was going. <laughs> I looked at her, and she like she was batting my hand and everything. I smacked her. I go, you don't hiss at me. Then I looked behind me. Here comes the dog trotting by. <laughs> I'm not drunk. I can pass like three out of the four tests. Three of the four. <laughs> what if they give you the fourth one? It's <laughs> not going to be any of the speech. Well, ones, I'm not I'd driving, so I'm not driving anywhere tonight. I don't have a car. And you're good. Oh, that's all right. I'm drinking Skyped at the same time. Yes, we know. 
I know several people who have drunk and podcasted at the same time, so I'm not feeling too guilty about this. That's true. This is very Pufuanian, too. And you don't even have to call it Kool-Aid, because you are of age. It's not Kool-Aid, it's wine. So tonight we're having Hufflepuff cast. What the hell is a Hufflepuff? Hufflepuff cast! Hey, I tried. I hit up two Slytherins tonight, and both of them told me no. Oh my gosh, this is so exciting! I just love this part! Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone. Welcome to Hufflepuff Cast. I'm Scott. I'm Sue. Who's next? You can Okay, go. I'm next. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Miss Lupin, or known as Trisha. I'm Kat, or also known as Lassie. We have two Lupins on the same podcast. It's fun. Yes. It is. And it's a real <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Again, well. I have other obsessions. Yeah. It's okay. You go ahead and have Remus. (laughs) (laughs) So this is called Registration, and it's by Copper Badge, who's also known as Sam. Potterfic Weekly Podcasters are doing Saving Harry, which is also by Copper Badge or Sam. So we thought that we would do one of his as a peon cast as well. So we are going to be doing Registration, which is a... Story about Remus and Sirius waiting in line at Hogwarts to register Harry and just what happens while they're waiting in line. With a surprise ending of Harry's real name, which was fun. Yes. And let's see if we can get Scott here before we go. One ringy dingy. Two ringy dingies. Now I want ring dings. <laughs> <laughs> No ring dings. Hi again. I heard Scott. Yes. I like the way this starts with Sirius saying it's nuts and Remus saying, really? Can we swap? I've got cinnamon. And Sirius is like, what are you talking about? <laughs> he says, I'm not talking that's about cute. the blood. I'm talking about this. He looks at, looks at Hogwarts and Remus is like, no, that's not nuts either. I think that's made of stone. <laughs> the back and forth of see the yes we don't get to see much of the marauder era in canon but i think this is a very canon back and forth between the two when they're younger yeah you mm-hmm. could just see remus just kind of like he's like you know what i'm just gonna egg him on just push a little bit more of the button see how far i can push him mm-hmm. kind of thing mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. is what Remus does. He was never the one who actually did anything. He just sort of stuck the... He was the instigator. The sat back to watch. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Although he did... Was it Remus that got in trouble later on in this fic for something or was it no, Sirius? Apparently he was involved, but Sirius took the fall. Sirius so took Remus the fall. So Remus still owes a month of attention. That's right. Because <laughs> he was in the library like a good boy. That was it, I remember now. It so, does remind me of uh, fix. That authors will be like, Remus is the good boy. And I'm like, no, he's not. The quiet ones are always the ones that you need to be most worried about. Mm-hmm. No, those are the ones that are more fun. 
<laughs> if you've got a good reputation, yes. it just means you're better at hiding it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, just ask Mike. At least in their case, anyway. <laughs> yes, he's a quiet one, all right. Mm-hmm. Especially considering he doesn't have, you know, lips or a voice box or anything. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. <laughs> For those of us just joining us, we're talking about the plant, not the person. Right. Yes, Mike the Venemus Tentacula, who was invented by Sue and co-opted by Ms. Lupin and sort of lives in the greenhouse, but also wanders around the Hufflepuff common room or shows up in stories there a fair bit. Yeah, and there's actually a piece of him that's rooting in my office, apparently. seem to remember. Oh, yeah. Are you making a mini mic? Yeah. I'm making a mini mic. It's your Christmas gift. Shh, don't say anything. Uh, I believe Sam and April decided to uh, turn him into a Christmas tree. Yes, they did. Yes, that happened. Poor guy. It didn't work very well. He's a busy plant. (laughs) There, that's your song title. (laughs) Mike gets around, he's a busy plant. I kind of think that but anyway. Sirius and Remus in this remind me of Fred and George, just in their band. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, People often write them that way because Fred and George are sort of the heirs of the Marauders, so they mm-hmm. write them as though they're similar sorts of people, which makes sense. Yeah, but it the, does. Yeah. I, anyway, I apparently like the reason that down. Remus and Sirius are sitting on the steps in front of Hogwarts uh, at way too early in the morning, apparently, is <laughs> to get a good spot in the line to register Harry for Hogwarts. He hasn't been born yet, and um, Lily sort of wheedled Sirius into going along to save a space in the line because apparently it gets quite long, and she and James don't want to come right away. And he then dragged Remus along, and other things ensue. Mm-hmm. I like how... Sirius is complaining about, you know, getting Shanghai into doing this. And Remus says, well, it could be worse. And Sirius is like, yeah. And Remus said, well, yes. I mean, your best friend could have come up to you and said, oi, Remus, how about a night on the town? I'll drive. And then proceeded to fly you to Hogwarts to sit with him while he waits in line for Bloody Potter, who's actually planning on messing around and coming in to relieve you until eight. Furthermore, Hogwarts is unapproved. Oh dear, I'm not going to be able to say this. In apparatable, thank you. Meaning your only choices are to remain with said nameless friend until James arrives or walk to Hogsmeade and listen to his howls of abandonment the whole way there. (laughs) (laughs) I I do like the line early on. um, They're sitting on the steps and Sirius is basically questioning why he has to do it. And he says, yes, right. You say yes, sure. Do I need to fill out a form, permit slip, get myself listed in case someone hexes him into a ferret? <laughs> a ferret? <laughs> it could happen. <laughs> Wrong kid. <laughs> That's foreshadowing. Yeah, there you go. Yes. Yeah. Or, so it, I don't know, because was this after the fourth book? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, it was written since that, I think. He's referring so to that in... Yes. yes. On purpose. What was your yes. question, Trisha? Uh, okay. They're registering for all um, the kids for school and stuff like that before they born. What about the Mongoborns that they don't know? How in the world did they register? Mm-hmm. 
the general sort of idea is that rather than there being a registration like this, um, there's actually a magical quill that just writes it out when you get born. But mm-hmm. the That's, idea for this fic is taken from Hagrid's line where it says Harry's had his name down for Hogwarts ever since he was born. He's not going to let a fool muggle like you stop him from going to Hogwarts That's or true. something of that sort. So My question was... Sam's taking the idea that somebody actually has to put them down to make that work. Mm-hmm. It does sort of leave then, a hole about the Muggleborns. Well, I mean, let's just say the Ministry takes care of the Muggleborns. What about Dean? Because Dean is, if you have read the footnotes, Dean is actually a half-blood. His dad refused to join the Death Eaters, so they killed him before he could tell his wife that he was a wizard. Mm-hmm. So he would probably be done the same as the Muggleborns. Yeah. Probably in this. Or else if, his dad if, already if did is, it because Dean was born at this point. So. That's true, too. Oh, that's true. Finally, they managed to get rid of the cinnamon bun. I don't know why Rims particularly dislikes cinnamon buns, but apparently he does. <laughs> I like them. They're kind yeah. of good. Yeah. And he turns them into popcorn. Popcorn. Yes. Which is also good. He was trying to change them into buns with nuts, but he used the wrong word, apparently. Yes. I'm not getting into my Latin. So. At least it only turned into popcorn and not something far worse. That's true. It's true. (laughs) We could have gotten south. (laughs) So they're here by themselves for a a good half an hour or so before the next person arrives. And the next person that shows up is Mr. Longbottom. Getting ready to to register Neville, who has already been named. Because apparently you need to know their names to register them. So Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh, and... Before he gets there, Sirius and Remus are talking, and Remus is talking about how his parents did it, and they made a day of it, and they took pictures, and his mom had scrapbooks, which I think is just hysterical. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And Sam has a different view of werewolves and children in this. Apparently, it's not that every kid a werewolf has will be a werewolf, or that no kid a werewolf has could be a werewolf without being bitten themselves, which is sort of what the canon one has come out to now. But he has it set where they have a one in four chance of Mm -hmm. being a werewolf from birth. Which makes a little more sense uh, genetics-wise. Because if you have a kid with somebody else, assuming that you don't just, you know, like, clone yourself, then there's at least a 50-50 shot. Mm -hmm. The idea on the other ones is that being a werewolf is entirely a magical thing. It's a curse, so it's not genetic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I don't know. That's true. It seems like, you know... Anybody see the new Wolfman movie? Maybe they can explain it. No, no. <laughs> no I'm afraid I haven't. I haven't seen it oh, either. Well. No. And well, Sirius just... has been just complaining about the whole thing. He doesn't think his parents ever stood in line themselves. No. They probably no. tricked somebody else into doing it or whatever. <laughs> Which is funny, because he got tricked into doing it. Himself. Mm. (laughs) That's true. Yeah. He goes, oh, I should have brought my camera. Uh, That's about the time that Frank Longbottom shows up and is uh, waiting in line as well. And he thinks he's third in line, but they explain to him that they're both waiting for the Potter kid. Yeah. Anonymous Potter. I love the names that they band here around here. It would be funny if Harry's legal name was anonymous. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> that's everything that's always ever wanted. And horribly ironic and just, you know. You could just claim all the things that nobody knows. Yeah, it was written by Anonymous. That was me. Yep. yep. I did yep. that. I, 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 I did this. Lily a normal name. Serious, it's a perfectly normal name. A normal muggle name. Yeah. <laughs> and Sirius has clear ideas on that matter. Mm-hmm. I kind of like Frank's little thing. It's me, ma'am. It's making me Neville. It's kind of like, that kind of shows like a little bit of a, I mean, Frank being a little bit of a pushover like Neville is with his grandmother and with Frank's mom kind of yeah. thing. She's a force to be reckoned with, that woman. Yep. The next person to show up is Brenda Finnegan. It was apparently Seamus' mom. Yes. And she is very much so pregnant. Very, very pregnant. Yeah. So Sirius has to go and, well... Sirius says that Sirius should go help, and uh, Sirius isn't doing it, so Remus has to go help himself. Yeah, goes and helps her up into the line, because she is so far along. And apparently is absolutely huge, because Frank says, My God, Brenda, is that twins? Nope. And apparently it's a nine stone woman carrying a twelve pound baby. Yeah. God bless her. I had, a f- I had a friend, she's my size, which those of you out in the listener world who have never seen a p- picture of me, I am a very small person. Uh she ha- carried a nine pound baby to term. Mm. And she did not enjoy the end of it. So I cannot only imagine what a twelve pounder would be. Yeah. Big. Mm. I'm a seven. Yep. Sorry, that hurt. And you can see it on television every once in a while. That's right, because he was the first baby born to the new year? No, he was born nine months to the day from the attacks. Oh, that was it. I knew oh, there was okay. something. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Interesting. Yep, he was born June 11th. And so there was a group of us, and I represented the Pittsburgh area and because of the plane crash down in Somerset, which is about an hour or two from Pittsburgh. And it's a very rural mm-hmm. thing. So they went to the city. And, and I gave birth on live television. Yeah. Not, one Not one of my proudest moments in my life. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, and you said yes. <laughs> I was drugged mm. up. Oh, very okay. much so. We're way off course. Apparently, the reason that Mrs. Finnegan is here is because she still hasn't told her husband that she's a witch. Right. So he can't come, which fits in with canon because apparently it was a bit of shock to shame A bit of a shock from my dad found out. Yes. Well, he couldn't come anyway, even if she did tell him because yeah. he's a muggle. Yeah, I suppose. He couldn't yeah. see. Yeah, I don't know. All he'd see is an abandoned building. It depends on whether you go with the idea that someone who is magical can bring them in or if they just can never get in at all. I don't know. Right. Because, you know, in some of the fix that I've read, as long as you know that the magical thing is there, then even if you're a muggle, you can see through it. Or at least if you believe it's there, it's hard to know what that's mm-hmm. going to work. I've read other ones where <laughs> even uh, Filch has to put up non-magical markers somewhere so he can tell where the door is to go back in. Because he can't see it either from the outside. Because he's a squib. Because he's, he's a squib. Yeah, that's well, interesting. Well, that gets into like, the difference between mongols and squibs magically and all that crazy stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway. I like this part because normally if there's something going to happen, 
where you need the gentleman. It's going to be Remus that's the gentleman and not Sirius. But they say to Brenda, you know, when little Finnegan starts levitating the dog, you're going to have to tell his father you're a witch. And she bursts into tears. And Sirius is like, no worries, I've got it, and pulls out a mostly clean handkerchief. Love that. That's and spending cute. a lot of time with James and Lily, and she does this all the time. It's hormones. <laughs> you know? That's all. Isn't it duck? Isn't and it I could duck? just see you could just see like a Frank going, Did he just call her duck? Of all the names duck, is that a very British thing to say? Duck. I think it might be. Yeah, okay. it's like love. Mm-hmm. Certain sort of area or group in England, it's more common. Mm-hmm. Um, a house elf shows up, and at first Remus thinks maybe the house elf's there to give them refreshments or something, but no, he's actually there to sign, so maybe that's how Sirius' family did it. I don't know. Oh, it's Dobby! Dobby! Dobby. <laughs> and I love that they know that Master Draco is going to be born next Tuesday. <laughs> They've got it all planned out. By C-section? I guess he's not allowed to sign, but he's holding the spot for Lucius. Yes. Who will be yeah. arriving in the evening. Sirius is not pleased. No. He spends a lot of this bit not pleased, but he is standing outside a castle at six in the morning. So, And so Sirius is looking for popcorn, but there's none left. I gotta think, what the heck is Remus doing eating all the time? I've never seen Remus eat all this much. <laughs> that reminds me of Ron. Did somebody say Ron Weasley? <laughs> a half a bun and oh, suspicious know. red things. And, uh, yeah. He's gotta do something. Yeah, he's bored. Maybe it's near the full mm. moon. Yeah, maybe transforming takes a lot out of you or something. <laughs> I like this bit. Sirius refuses to let Brenda go in front because um, Lily would kill him if he wasn't one of the first ones, but she says, as long as he gets his name on the register, I don't care. And Dobby says, that's what Master Malfoy said, only he added, I don't care who I have to push over to get there onto the end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Brenda has uh, Chinese rice and ice cream with a, a chilling charm on it, so she's prepared <laughs> for their all-day wait. This has got to be Such quite an odd combination. Yeah, well, she's pregnant. That's a pregnancy. That's true. <laughs> And Frank's brought cards. He's prepared for the long wait, too. And, uh, Setting him up for bridge. Yeah, which Remus doesn't know how to play, no matter how many times we've taught him. Yeah. How do all these people know how to play bridge? Aren't they, like, 21 in this fic? No. Yeah, well. I mean, how, how many 21-year-olds know how, they don't how to play bridge? I did. Yeah. If your family plays bridge, That's then you true. know how to play bridge. My grandmother had us playing yeah. when we were five years old, so... And they don't have TV don't and such. They it have just, the I mean, wireless. I've heard people singing on it, but I don't know if they actually have programs. Right. I think they would. Well, they did during the you war. Don't. That makes sense. They probably would. And then Brenda has to pee, which she's going to have to do every yeah. 40 or 50 minutes. Yeah, that's a big baby to be sitting on your bladder. Mm-hmm. So now Remus has to hold her place. Yeah, well, he's just there anyhow. I like this. By four in the afternoon, Brenda had peed every 40 minutes on the dot. Remus still had failed to grasp the basic rules of bridge. Sirius had talked Dobby into playing instead with painful results. Who knew house elves were card sharps? <laughs> <laughs> and Bill came bearing food, which is nice. On the kitchen. And, well, they've mm-hmm. done this before. They know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he lets him know that there's some Slytherins planning on hexing the first people through the doors. Sirius says he'd just hex them right back. Just turns it off. 
Mm-hmm. And he's already made arrangements with McGonagall, who's agreed to put the next Weasley's kid's name down just out of pity for mom. And I like it that, you know, this is number six. And mom says she's cutting dad off after the next one. We're hoping she doesn't mean that literally. <laughs> oh, dear. And Mr. Patel's like, yeah, Sarah said the same thing to me. Um, <laughs> We're having twins, you know, he says. So you mentioned five or six times. <laughs> yeah, Brenda said, I thought one was bad. I can only imagine. <laughs> and then they start talking about the pregnancy. Exploding. Serious crap. And then, no more. No more talk about placentas and fluids. <laughs> yes. But then it gets in trouble. <laughs> Don't yell at the pregnant woman. Serious sculpts. Remus gently pries her fingers off his shirt. <laughs> yeah. You don't mess with a pregnant woman. If she's cold, she's yeah. hot. She's just miserable, especially at that point in time. Yeah. And Remus says, Bill, how about you go and get some butterbeer and pumpkin juice from the kitchen? Then nobody will attempt to kill anybody else. Yeah. Can't have the future leaders of our nation traumatized in utero, he says <laughs> as he heads off. And of course, Brenda has to yeah, go with him. Brenda goes on. Her 40 minutes are up. That's another 40 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and Sirius is like, you know, we could sneak in, just sneak in the side gate. And Remus is like, you remember the last dad that tried that? I think he still got hooves instead of hands. That was brilliant. <laughs> and they have to keep telling people they're not giving up their place in line. Yeah. Yeah. People keep coming up and, you know, they're like, breaks my heart. To see a chap who got here at four in the afternoon try to buy his way to the front. We've suffered for this spot. Yeah. Cinnamon buns and a half an hour of utter solitude early this morning. Oh, how we suffer. <laughs> and Sirius is convinced he's not having kids. He's not going through this again. Mm-hmm. And Bill comes around and says, every time Amen Brenda pees, yeah, every time Brenda pees, she swears at her husband like it's his fault. <laughs> and the women are like, it is his fault. <laughs> you love me, Lady. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Brenda's like, if I could move, I would thump you. Punch him for me, Remus. Remus. <laughs> Remus punches him. And they start wrestling. <laughs> Frag says, like, first one but unconscious loses his place in the line. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> and then people behind him crying their necks and begin oh. taking bets. <laughs> yeah. They're all they get a letter. Bored. Oh, James is going to be just a little bit late. Late? Serious inquires. Sure, but you can go in and I'll stay here. Remus grabs for the letter back, but Sirius has already plucked it out of his hands. And then he shouts, false labor! And, uh, <laughs> Sirius is like, they're lying. (laughs) They're just trying to get out of it. But supposedly, Lily is going to be spending the night in St. Mungo's. And so they're going to have to sign up Anonymous Potter. I've Mm. been here all bloody day. Yeah. says, Now you see what you get when you don't let me lie to you. You could have gone home, had a nice sleep, guilt-free, thinking James was coming to relieve me. But no, you had to go wanting the truth. You should have been a better liar. Serious mutters. <laughs> you gotta love Frank. When's the wedding? <laughs> wedding? Asked Remus. Wedding? I want to know where you two are registered. You're bantering just like an engaged couple. Mm-hmm. That was funny. Which is a nice tip to the all the people who love Serious Remus slash. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
And then Frank decides that Sirius is going to the Three Broomsticks and getting supper. Yes. And Sirius is like, when did it become me? Yeah, well. But I like everyone, ooh, everyone gives ooh, them their orders. I want wheat bread, meatballs, and extra onion. Do they have sprout? Bar whiskey. <laughs> I'm trapped here with you for another eight hours. I want bar whiskey. <laughs> I expect to be tipped. <laughs> <laughs> Only if you're prompt. If you're prompt, yeah. life. <laughs> but it sounds like they have a There's great There's a lot time. of that good banter in this one. Mm-hmm. They go back and forth. And it's not just Sirius and Remus. A lot of the characters are good with that. Right, yeah. Even Frank back here when he, he asks about the marriage and stuff. And then he says, well, you're just after my ass, <laughs> you know? And then he decides that's one of the things that Sam is good at in a lot of his stories. They have good conversations and character moments like that. That's fun. It's fun to write. It's one of the easier things to write, I think, at least for me. So, but I think it's fun to read as well. That makes it nice when it flows really well. Yes. And they've lit a fire. I think they've got through the door. Oh, no, not quite. The students have sneaked out of the door. Mm-hmm. <laughs> A couple of students who followed in the footsteps of the legendary Potter and Black tried various mild hexes and pranks, but as they happened to be the legendary Black, the nearly but not quite legendary Lupin, and the fully trained Auror, as well as two extremely cranky women and one ministry solicitor, they brushed off the amateurist tricks with ease. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can't leave out the cranky women. No, because no. they're probably the ones that are... crankier. Mm-hmm. They're probably the ones that really hexed them, too. Yeah. Yeah. And they decide they're going to tell they ghost decide, stories. I like how Frank, all right, then. I got one last week. We were called off for this little town in Wales. <laughs> and she's like, no, real ghost story. Not real ones. I want the muggle ones. And so they tell the muggle one, and, and they're like, what's an elevator? Yeah. <laughs> an elevator. Totally lost oh, on so them. so good. Yeah. Yeah. So I suppose that would be called a lift. Probably. I like this. Muggle culture is lost on magic borns, Remus said with a sigh. Look at Sirius. Fine specimen of a man, has a flying motorbike, top newts, Hogwarts boy, yet refuses, absolutely refuses to even try to understand the muggle cinema. He's like, I like the candy. (laughs) Candy is not the majority of the muggle cinematic experience. I took you to see Star Wars. You picked it to death. (laughs) So there we go. Serious. There's our Star Wars reference for yes. Ryan. <laughs> no, no, no. We need a Star Trek reference. Oh, yes. yeah, sorry. Star Wars is not Star Wars references. They have two hours left, and <laughs> Remus yeah. tries to steal some of Sirius's tea. He's like, that's not spiked tea, that's tea flavored whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> You better be able to write the kid's name. And they start bantering. And this is when they realize they still don't actually have a name. <laughs> They've been waiting how long and they still don't have a name? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, they weren't Perhaps thinking they would have. Rames, they were just waiting for James to show up, who already had one. But. James Potter Jr.? Yeah. Lily vetoed. Yeah. <laughs> what would you name the kid? If you had one, got to start with an R. Old family tradition, Rima said. Richard's good. Rory, Roland. I quite like Roland. One, one. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Keep this. Bobby's rolling. Yeah. Oh, the rest of them all have one. And they go through. And yeah. Good. Yes, they know what those ones are. Longbottom's mom picked Neville. The Weasleys. 
buildings. Pick one of the hat at this point. Yeah. <laughs> too many. Hold on. They see that someone's coming, and they think it's another person coming up to buy their way to the front of the line, which actually it turns out to be, but not quite. It's Master, sir. Dear old Lucius. Oh, boy. Who's, <laughs> of course, stopping every once in a while to ingratiate himself as he talks to... Serious, he's making up his dialogue. Yes, it's quite fun. Good evening, Lestrange. What awful hair I have. Yes, I know. I do dress like it's still the early 1940s because... <laughs> Because I'm an oik. I am an oik. (laughs) I don't know what an oik is, but apparently Lucius is one. Yes. Oh, hello. You aren't worth my time, but I'm still an oik. So I will smile smarmily at you and move on to the next person who actually interests me. Do you like my cane? It's made up for the fact that I have a very small... (laughs) 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 Obviously written after the second movie. (laughs) Yes. Well, if it's written after the fourth book, then it's written after the second movie. Mm-hmm. But before Deathly Hallows, because Remus was naming his kid starting with an R. Yes. Although I guess it could have been Tonks who came up with Teddy, so who knows? Well, it's Tonks, oh, Teddy. Her. It's her father's name, so. Yes. That takes so, precedence. It does. And Lucius, of course, punishes Dobby because he's not the very first person in line. He decides to find out who is the first person in line. And of course, it's Sirius who says, Hello, Cousin Lucius. <laughs> cousin? Oh no, my dear boy. Did you forget that you have been disowned and shunned? Thank God. I thought I was still stuck in your family, Sirius. It was a sad day when Narcissa lowered herself to marry Malfoy. <laughs> oh, and I love this. The cane whistled through the air. It's so funny. All of a sudden, I thought, I haven't heard from Scott. I wonder if he's still here. <laughs> and I looked over and he was and it was like cool he's here and then dang he just dropped his Boom. <laughs> bye Scott I'm going to go back and do that line again while we're connecting the cane whistled through the air stopping two inches from Sirius's cheek he didn't flinch Remus did however tumbling backwards into the dust much to Sarah and Brenda's amusement what how you speak in 1592, a Malfoy sold herself into an entered servitude in the House of Black, Sirius said. In 1870, a Black was forced to divorce a Malfoy. Yeah, that's <laughs> unsubstantiated rumor, you whelp. But a better bread whelp than you are, and first in line. Ah, uh, Sirius. And then Fine. Frank gets 40 enough. gallons. Yeah, 40 gallons. Not for 200, Remus said, looking up at the sky. And Lucius steps into it. I didn't ask the half-braid. Yeah, and then we find out that Sirius was actually going to bargain with him for a while just to see how far he'd go. But since he's insulted Remus, all bets are off. Remus says, ah, better half-bread than in-bread, I always say. (laughs) (laughs) That made me think of Jen. You know, I don't think they look inbred enough. Yeah, but but it'd be really hard to find inbred people to play the part. (laughs) 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 And then Lucius tries to pull his wand and Frank says, Now, I'm sure you wouldn't want to hex an innocent, inexperienced young man in front of an oar or indulge in bribery as a method of assuring your child a place at Hogwarts school, especially as your house elf has been holding your place as seventh in line and winning at bridge all day. Seventh? Lucius is, yeah, poor Dobby. He's going to get ironed for sure when he gets home. 
Sure. Unnamed boy Potter, maybe Seamus Finnegan, Neville Longbottom, Padma and Parvati Petal, and another Weasley are all ahead of your child. <laughs> <laughs> and then Bill goes into it. <laughs> hey, that'd be a great name. Hey, my name is another. He says, introducing himself to Brennan. I'm going to ask Mum if you name him that. Dead stuck us with all boring muggle names. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Lucius. Although Bill's probably Billy, so, you know. Mm-hmm. I think I'm it's William. Bill is William Weasley. Yeah. Oh, is he? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I guess it's the middle names that get to be wizard names. Percy Ignatius and Ronald Billius. And mm-hmm. We don't know everyone else's middle name, I don't think. Yeah, I don't know. No, um, I don't think we know Fred and George. Anyway. The only thing about, I remember, no, Fred and George, I've, I have theory that it's, oh, it's uh, George Fabian, Fabian and Gideon. Fred Gideon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it would make sense. Because they were born know. just after they died. But they decide, well, Lucius wanders off because he's been outfaced, but they decide maybe they should actually get in line of some sort since they're just all sort of sitting yes. in a clump. Hanging around the fire. And Remus is like, I hope Lily's all right. And Sirius is like, I bet you they went out for dinner and just didn't want to come. Well, if I put down mm-hmm. the name Another Potter, it'd only serve them right. <laughs> yeah. Poor Harry. All sorts of possibilities to be his name. <laughs> yes. So they start to get ready to banter back and forth some more, and the doors open. And Minerva, sorry, was listening to Naked Quidditch today. Minnie comes out. Oh, my. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I thought you meant that Minerva McGonagall was-, was listening to Naked Quidditch, and I was confused. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She's mini. That would be fun. I would love they to see get that. Get their hands on the podcast. But yeah. yes, she assumes that Sirius is there for himself, and she's disapproving, and she hopes that she's at least married <laughs> whoever he's standing in line for. <laughs> and he's on his very best behavior with her. James went ahead and did it yeah. for me, ma'am. I'm just here to sign up for Potter, male, name indeterminate. And look, I brought the good influence with me, he said, grabbing Remus by the back of the neck. <laughs> Remus Lupin, are you drunk? <laughs> that's my favorite part. He's like, no, just tired. Yeah, that's it. Mm, you're tired. Smells like fire whiskey. <laughs> uh, appropriate that I had some wine before the podcast. Yes. <laughs> but at least Frank's there to kind of back him up. Yep. Almost time then. Just about. Yeah. When the Hogsmeade bells chime midnight, then it's time to go in. I love how she I'll still treats them all like they're 11. Mm-hmm. Well, they are 11 to her, anyhow. That is true. They will always be 11 to her, <laughs> no matter how old they are. So they head in and they enter the door where Albus Dumbledore is waiting. And he says, Mr. Black, in a deep expressionless voice. And Sirius is like, Headmaster. Just the same. And uh, Remus snickering. Yes. <laughs> maybe he's drunk. Yeah, maybe. He probably is. It's that fire whiskey laced he's, with tea. He's probably in a good company. Yes, well. So they go up and Sirius is like, it's for my godson, James and Lily's firstborn. And Dumbledore's like, oh, of course. And Mr. Lupin? And Lupin's like, I'm just babysitting Mr. Black. <laughs> so now they actually have to write down a name. And they still don't know. Nope. They don't know what to do, and everybody's getting anxious behind them, and it's like, you've got to do something. 
Sign it. Put any old thing. And we don't Just... get to exactly hear what they put. But no. Rima says, um, <laughs> let's take James out and make sure he's drunk before we tell him, right? <laughs> and uh, Dumbledore, who says, please remind Mr. and Mrs. Potter that this is legally binding. And should the child's name be altered significantly, he may have to be re-registered. So that's when you get the hint that it's not going to be a good name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, well, also, um, Lupin has looked at and said, Alec, you can't be serious. <laughs> Starts the serious jokes. You can't be serious, serious. Yes. Well, fortunately, he doesn't actually get to the word in question because Sirius just wants him to sign the thing. Yeah. And uh, yep. so now we have a giant time jump to probably 1996 or sometime. Yeah. Yeah. And Remus is standing there going, um, well, you have to remember, we were both very young, and we didn't actually know that it would be legally binding, and uh, we just sort of... <laughs> and Harry's just staring at him. <laughs> Are you okay? Listen, I'm really sorry, but it's Sirius's fault. Yes, yeah, we're going to blame him. It's most blame the dead guy. Mm-hmm. And you see, he wanted you to have options. Sirius? Roland? Dionysus. Dionysus. Dionysus, Harry Potter. Harry read aloud. I apologize. I'm slurring. It's Dionysus. Dionysus. Mm-hmm. My name is Sirius Roland Dionysus Harry Potter. It could have been worse. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Sirius Roland Dionysus Harry Potter. Oh, it could have been Harold. <laughs> <laughs> Which, of course, is a poke at all the various fics who insist that that's actually Harry's full name. Harold. It's Harris. Yeah. Harold James Potter. Yes. And there's not a James in there. That's just sad. No, it's true. No. <laughs> you, you think they would put that, but... Oh, no. The Godfather names. They all came up in the story. Sirius wanted to name him Sirius, and uh, Remus liked the name Roland, and James wanted to name him after a Greek god, Dionysus being the god of wine, <laughs> because they're drunk. <laughs> <laughs> And Harry, because didn't she want it to be a nice muggle name? Yeah. Yes. Lily wanted a nice muggle name. So there you go. Yeah. I wonder if they did actually go and re-register. Who knows? I guess they wouldn't have in this, or or Harry wouldn't have the page, but, you know. They could have saved it. Mm -hmm. For prosperity's sake. Yeah. Remember the time your godfather got drunk and named you an idiot's name? (laughs) Yeah. There you go. So, well, this was fun. I love the banter. Has it really been an hour and a half? Yes. Wow. But yeah. Time flies when you're drunk. (laughs) (laughs) We'll call you Dionysus. (laughs) Okay. No, I thought this was fun. I love the banter back and forth. I liked the different characters that were in it, that we got to see Frank Longbottom, Dobby. Yeah, we don't see those that much. And plus, them together, especially with Dobby added to the mix, it's just it's just cute. Yeah, Dobby the Kurt like, Sharp. I like pretty much any fic that takes place before 1981. So this I really enjoyed because it's getting into what people were like before you know 12 years in azkaban or 12 years alone Mm -hmm. you still have the characters core you know to to what they were and Mm -hmm. still are but at the same time you have a lot more freedom than a lot of authors have when they write a canon era fic right Mm -hmm. 
It was fun seeing some of the other people as well, because we've never met Parvati and Padma's parents, so we don't know who they might have been. Right. And um, we don't know yeah. what Seamus' mother's name is or any of those things. And it's Didn't interesting seeing Frank up? as... We did meet yeah, her, but I don't but think we name. We just said this is Seamus' mom, which is what happens when you go over places for school. It's always so-and-so's mom. It's not, you know, mm-hmm. whatever yeah. their actual yeah. name is. Yeah. Yeah, like, um, which is kind of funny. I have a seven-year-old, and and you do parties for the school, for the kids and stuff like that, and the parents do the parties. Uh, at least that's how we do it here. And we'll get emails from the other moms and stuff like that. And we all sign it. Okay, our name. Then we put parentheses. Like, for me, I'll say Ark's mom. Or someone mm-hmm. will say um, Sarah's mom or Jacob's mom. <laughs> it's kind of like, yeah, we're just identified by the kid. Just so you know, yeah. Because even... With the young kids, especially, they wouldn't necessarily know their friends' last names. So right. wouldn't you be able to right. pick it up just from that? I mean, with Harry coming to the cup when he was 14, she was probably Mrs. Finnegan. Mm-hmm. And it was nice seeing Frank as, you know, uh, a plausible auror. He's a large and vital man, and he has a sense of humor and gets one over on Lucius. Apparently, right. he likes fridge. Because we really know nothing about Frank apart from his name, because all we see of him is sort of the catatonic version in St. Mungo's. So. He was fun. It's always good to have somebody that shows up with a deck of cards when you're going to have a long wait in front of you. So That's a very, yeah. or, I'm sorry, that to me seems like a very policeman or very or thing or like very a soldier thing that, you know, you're in for a long haul. What do you do? I'm bringing a deck of cards. They're quiet, but they keep you busy. Mm-hmm. And you time. can do a lot with them. You can play solitaire, poker, right? Fifty-two pickup. <laughs> well, only if, if you're you serious. Around. Or in the case of wizards, you can make them explode. So you know, yes, that's a little less quiet, though. Yes, yeah, but don't want to have exploding snap on your stakeouts. It would no, work. exactly. No. <laughs> it sounds like these are more Muggle cards. Mm-hmm. Maybe they have like special R cards for like. When you're on the stakeout and you don't need exploding snap. Though I guess you could just silencio the cards. Yeah, that's true, I suppose. Yeah, good aura should be able to handle something like that. Anybody else have something they want to say about this? It was cute. I enjoyed the story. It was fun. You can see this series in Remus as being quite similar to the series in Remus in Seedling Harry, which you guys have just listened to an episode of. But they wouldn't necessarily have to be the same. Some of the banter and things is a similar Mm -hmm. style on Sam's part, I guess. Yeah, it's just that they're a little younger here. This was a good one to cover. Yep. I suppose we probably read a lot of it to you, but yeah, there were a lot of fun bits. (laughs) It was, they were quick. I mean, it's a long story, but it goes by quickly because the banter is so quick wit. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's a little bit like Gilmore Girls. (laughs) Long, Long scripts, but it goes by really fast. The banter keeps it entertaining. Yeah. So, anyone else have final comments on the uh, story? Or have you basically wrapped up what you wanted to say? I'm good. Yep. In that case, I guess we will say good afternoon, good evening, or good night. Or good morning. That, too. It's possible. (laughs) I listen to it in the morning. Bye, everybody. See you, everyone. (laughs) Bye. Good morning, me. (laughs) (laughs) 